the website down. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Sunday, June 9, 2019. This is your award-winning Gibbo Nation Media Assassination, episode 1145. This is No Agenda. Serving the knitting community for 11 years and broadcasting live from the frontier of Austin, Texas, capital of the drone, Star State. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where this podcast is number three. I'm John C. Devorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. <laughs> yes, beating out that other conservative podcast, Joe Rogan. Exactly. <laughs> oh, John is referring to the, uh, what was the name of that website? It is uh, Liberty Nation. Liberty Nation. Now, it looks kind of pro, Liberty Nation. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems, it's legit. It seems like a legit aura. So this was the... <laughs> We made the top 10 list, which was apparently a poll. It was voted on by the readers of Liberty Nation. Top 10 conservative podcasts to download in 2019. Woohoo! Number three. Do you have the list in front of you? I do, as a matter of uh, fact. So give, us, give, us, give us the list. Uh, who, we had num- okay, number, number 10. Number 10 is yeah. the Dan Carlin Hardcore History. History, history podcast. And yeah, again, yeah. like the rest of like most of them, it says, quote unquote, not technically a conservative podcast. What does it, it doesn't say that. It says yeah, it says that. It's, oh, really? It says it on his podcast. <laughs> on his no, on, no, it says his on his sheet. Yes, on his entry, it says uh, not technically a conservative podcast. Yeah, but he got yeah. a number ten. Somebody wrote on Twitter says this is really the the podcast that conservatives like to listen to. Well, that they're makes not sense. necessarily conservatives, and, and most of them aren't. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, a lot of them aren't. Yeah. Uh, number nine is part of the problem. I ha- haven't heard that. Not familiar uh, with uprising, it. which is Liberty Nation's podcast house podcast. Oh, that's okay. Well, the people who read Liberty Nation, I'm sure, would be. Hey, I'm just happy we're on a list. Number seven, the Tom <laughs> Woods Show, which is a good show. That's a good show. And he uh, apparently is not that conservative. No. Uh, the number six, the Rubin Report, and the Rubin Report is really just an interview show, and it's not. He, well, the, Rubin's not a conservative. No, Dave Rubin is a gay liberal. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know he was gay. You need to adjust your gaydar. <laughs> I've, I've been way off recently. Your gaydar needs some adjustment, my friend. <laughs> and there's jokes to be told. Yep. And number five, the Federalist podcast, which I've, I've only listened to once. Mm-hmm. I find it to be extremely, no offense to the Federalist, which I like the publication, but the podcast is dull. Yeah. And then number four, the Joe Rogan Experience, <laughs> which is anything but a, he's really kind of a liberal. Yeah. Uh, but he's had, he's had Alex Jones and he likes Alex Jones. So he's ah, had him okay. Okay. That's us. Yes. Yeah. Thus. And number three, No Agenda, hosted by Adam that, that, Curry that, and John C. <laughs> Dvorak. The No Agenda podcast is a real journey through the minds of the hosts. <laughs> <laughs> hold, on hold on a second. Hold on a second. I think I think that someone was doing the list and like, okay, I got to write a little blurb about each of these podcasts. So let me listen to five minutes. And if you listen to the first five minutes of our show, we could indeed be talking about uh, a restaurant. We could be talking about uh, you know some product, and you know then we go into our. Our personal yeah, experience. So if you listen to like five minutes of the opening of our show, yeah, you probably think, oh, these guys go everywhere. What are, uh, yeah. 
Uh, number two, the Ben Shapiro show, which is really a, a radio show, but okay. Well, it's uh, no, it's, 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 it's no, I, I, I consider what he does a podcast. Well, he's on the radio. Uh, and the number one, the Dan Bongino show, the undisputed number one <laughs> podcast for those who like their liberty in audio form. This show topped the polls of both LN authors and LN readers, making it, the, in other words, both groups liked it. Right. Oh. Uh, now, Bongino is a radio guy. Um, his show is a radio show, too, I believe. I think the two, those Shapiro and Bongino are crossovers. We're not. We're pure. Yeah, we're pure play, baby. Pure play. And uh, Bongino is an ex uh, Secret, Secret Service, Service guy who's I, I, I a like natural it. broadcaster. Yeah. He is a natural broadcaster, and he would. Uh, he's. I don't think. I think his radio show is on Sirius XMs. I don't know how, how much radio show that well, he is. He does a lot of substituting for. Uh, yes, and that's the- that's what I was going to say. He's he's good at AM radio talk show type stuff. Yeah. Uh, because and and he need, and that it's it's his skill. You need that skill to draw. 25 minutes of content out to a full hour because <laughs> I subscribe to yes, his podcast exactly. and I like his podcast, but, does. but I need, you know, 25 minutes of the information would kind of work. And I'm sure people say that about our show, although we're more than just information. We are, we take you on a journey inside our insight. minds, inside, yeah, inside our minds. And that's true. It's true. You know, you, you, you true, come, true. You, come <laughs> you come for the deconstruction, you stay for the sound effects. There you go. And the stories. That's, I think that's, that's where, and actually today we're going to be using some of our, uh, our expertise in, uh, in fields to help people uh, deconstruct what is going on. What is going on? Well, Adam? first, John, you can really pick them. I'm surprised. I mean, this show has picked uh, sports competition winners. It has picked, uh, we, we, Tag Donald Trump very early on as going to win the Pope. Name the Pope the, the before he became. Before, that was all you. Well, this show, I'll just say it's this show. Um, we've picked Eurovision Song Contest winners. We've had some losers too, but usually we're able to pick them pretty accurately. And wow, man, on Brexit, uh, who would possibly be the next, or just the UK, possibly be the next Prime Minister with the resignation of uh, Theresa May? Uh, you brought up a name which I'd never heard of before. You kept saying, yeah, the Gov guy, Gov, Gov. Michael Gov. Michael Gov. Well, you can pick him, John. For the last few weeks, Michael Gov has had his sights set on a promising future. Uh, I can confirm that I will be putting my name forward to be Prime Minister of this country. But it is his past that's getting attention right now. Mr. Gov's cocaine admission comes right in the middle of his bid for the Tory leadership. So um, he had to come out and say, uh, I did coke. I did coke because I guess someone was about to publish a book or something. And this is 20 years ago. But his actual quote about his misdeeds is perhaps even more interesting. Mr. Gove told the Daily Mail, I took drugs on several occasions at social events more than 20 years ago. At the time I was a young journalist, it was a mistake. I look back and think I wish I hadn't done that. Now, why would he add the moniker at the time I was a young journalist? Does that mean journalists who are young are on coke? Is this what yeah. they do? They run around. <laughs> Thank you for your answer. I'm, I'm, I have no reason to doubt it. it. That's in there for a reason. Yeah, that's the reason. You just you just outlined because it. Because it's true? 
No, it's because it's a great assertion to make, and it, it's like putting everyone on notice. Notice, I think a lot of uh, young journalists are on coke. I think a lot of young people are on coke that are in uh, high, you know, pressure businesses. I think there's a lot of coke heads in uh, Silicon Valley, and I think there's a lot of coke heads in the New York Times. Just, I just can't say that I know this <laughs> as a fact. absolute fact. I just <laughs> get the sense of it. It's just well, you're you're good at detecting that. I have no. Uh, no drug dar in that uh, in that regard. I cannot tell. Oh, all you do is check them. Check out how many times you go to their nose. Yeah. Well, being someone who has Tourette's and ticks, you know, I'd, I'd be yeah. well, I'd be I mean, wary. That, yes. I'd be wary. It'd be to, tough for you. I to, can use, see that. To, right now, I got Tourette's. No, he's a coke. Yeah, now I got to touch my nose all of a sudden just because we're talking about it. It's crazy. This disease. It's crazy. Uh. So, and, but of course, everyone's okay with it. Ah, we don't really care about his history. You know, we're not America. We're not crazy like America and all that. We get all nutty about what you did in the past. Uh, so, so I guess that was a, a hit job that they tried to pull off on him. And I, th- I think it's actually good to point out the journal that he was a young journalist because that puts the actual journalists on notice who are reporting on the story. It does kind of. Because that's kind of the next obvious question, as was mine. It's like, Really? You kids all on Coke? Um, the So that was a, a, a hit job on him. Something that came out yesterday, which to me means that the hag may be operative again. Do you remember hag? Yeah. H-A-G? Oh, I thought you said hag. No, hag. 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 It's an acronym. Hag. The Hillary Assassination Group. Oh, the, oh, I forgot all about them. Yeah, the hag. They've been killing the, the Republicans in their homes. Well, and I, one of her two brothers, Hillary Clinton's brothers, died. Tony. Yeah. Tony Rodham. And, you know, which I was, he was 64, 65. Uh, but the cause of death has not been reported. He's unknown. Oh, you think it uh, was part of the hag operation? Well, <laughs> So why wouldn't you just say what happened? You know, and so you know when you don't say anything, then typically, if you know, then it doesn't sound like it was a sickness, so it may have been a suicide or something. I don't know if anything has come out since we started the show. Well, but- they also leave. Usually, they won't say anything if it's AIDS related. Generally speaking, I've noticed this. Right, uh, but we are in the age of mopping up, cleaning up, and getting rid of stuff. And this, and and this is really once again, I, I'm so grateful. For our value for value network of you know, producers and dudes and dudette, dudes named Ben, dudettes named Bernadette. I mean, long ago we made a decision for all of our show notes and all of our information to be uh, run in the Freedom Controller. Thank you, Dave Jones, which is you know structured all all text, all show notes, everything is structured uh, text. It's, it's XML actually, so it's it's highly um, exportable. You can do all kinds of fun things with it. So that's why we have. Uh, uh, no agenda player. That's why we have Bingit.io for uh, the sh- show note search. So very quickly, I was able to um, bring to the front these little nagging remembrances that I had in the back of my mind, my mind about her brother Tony. Yeah, I forgot all about him. Well, thank you. This is what our No Agenda Network does. We've got uh, two stories from 2015. When Tony and and Hugh both actually were in the news with controversy, and this is regarding the 2016 uh, election, so you know there was already some stuff brewing. And we'll first we'll listen to CNN kind of. <laughs> bl-
blow it all off. The allegation is that Hillary Clinton's younger brother has parlayed his relationship with Bill and Hillary Clinton throughout the years to come up with some sometimes dubious business deals for himself. Maggie, you, you, you just laid it out pretty well right there. I mean, look, there has been an ongoing uh, focus on the brothers Rodham, right? On uh, Tony right. and Hugh Rodham, right. Hillary Clinton's right. brothers. What was striking about the story that my colleague Steve Eater did is uh, there are these court transcripts where Tony Rodham openly says, I leaned on my brother-in-law to get help me. Uh, I went through the Clinton Foundation. I mean, he says this. Um, that type of stuff, I think, is very unhelpful. That you are going to see in attack mailers. You are going to see that potentially in ads. It says here, when Mr. Rodham was short on cash in 2010, Mr. Clinton helped him get a job for $72,000 a year raising investments in Green Tech Automotive, an electric car company then owned by Terry McAuliffe, an old friend of Mr. Clinton's and now the governor of Virginia. Don't we all help our brothers? Yeah, well, well, anything I was going to say, I'm not sure. Right, I mean, I agree with what's you. What's wrong yeah, with that? Well, I, I was going to say, what's right. wrong with that? Yeah, I mean, right. look, no, that, well, that I think people will forgive helping us. Right. So we're I mean, he's not a politician, right? Bill Clinton is not in office. It doesn't mm. seem to conflict with her job as Secretary of State. Oh, if no. Bill Clinton helped out uh, the, the brother-in-law, I don't see that as a, as a scandal. To me, if there's any issue, I totally agree. I think that people forgive. You help your family. Yeah. You help your brother. <laughs> I think that the more you see things of, I, you know, I went to the foundation for help. Now, the foundation says there's no evidence that we did right. anything that he said. But it's just, it's not great. Oh, yeah. So the foundation, it's nothing, it's nothing. It's, this was episode 706, uh, by the way, of the No Agenda show. From that same episode, we brought you this. This report. Hillary Rodham Clinton's brother, Tony Rodham, sat on the board of a self-described mining company that in 2012 received one of only two gold exploitation permits from the Haitian government, the first issued in over 50 years. The tiny North Carolina company, VCS Mining, also included on its board Bill Clinton's co-chair of the Interim Haiti Recovery Commission, former Haitian Prime Minister Jean-Max Bellarive. The Rodham gold mine revelation is just one of dozens featured in a forthcoming bombshell investigative book by three-time New York Times best-selling author Peter Schweitzer. Now, of course, was Clinton Cash. So there's lots of loose ends with uh, Tony. And if you have an investigation into <laughs> connections with the State Department, shenanigans going on with the Obama administration, um, all kinds of missing documents, and there's, I don't know how many investigations are now running. We've got multiple inspectors general. You know, maybe Tony got in the way. Uh, could be. <laughs> I have no, no better answer. Put him on the list. I have no better answer since, you know, there's no information. Yeah. Put him on the list. On the list of what? Oh, the hag list? The body count. The body count list, yeah. <laughs> Clinton body count. It's not just about Hillary. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's, I, I, mean, I don't I, know. Was the last time you looked at that list? It's huge. It is, it is quite a big list. And I feel I feel bad point, about you got to go. Hey, you know this list is a little. I don't know. This is pretty big. This list. I I feel bad about going straight to this. I mean, even last night I'm reading. Yeah, through, you should. I'm feeling, reading through this article, and I go, mm mm. And the keeper immediately goes, Oh, don't tell me he was killed. <laughs> well, you know, since they haven't told us what happened, you know, there's you just got to you know. You got to think about stuff. And I just recall that he was controversial a couple of years ago around elections. And it was important. And uh, they poo-pooed it on CNN. Yet there was all kinds of shenanigans with the gold mine in Haiti. 
The Gold Mine in Haiti. That's yeah. a classic. It is a classic. One of two licenses. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I guess if you look at the New York Times uh, front page today, uh, you will see uh, uh, the topic I'd like to discuss, the uh, adpocalypse. Okay, so I have thoughts on this because this thing is, I, I'm going to let you do your thing. But first of all, I'm going to pr- kind of predict what you're going to do. Why would you do that? Why? Yeah, why would you predict what the outcome of what I'm about to say is? Because I could be wrong. Oh. And then you can gloat. And if you're right, then I don't have to do it? Is that the, is that the point? <laughs> okay, I'm not going to predict anything. Actually, but yeah. I had my mind made up what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Because I knew you were going to do this. Because mm-hmm. you telegraphed it on Twitter. Oh, and it, I had a counter argument. Then I, then I, then I, I said, oh, it's, this is no. I, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I got very disappointed. By your, by your counter argument. <laughs> but no, my not my counter argument was, was good. But then I read this article. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, and, and actually, it, there is something important uh, we need to do first. Now, people's brains are getting fried trying to understand the perceived censorship of conservatives on social media. And this week in particular, it was uh, YouTube. Um, yeah. Now, the way all media sees this, whether it's alternative, whether it's mainstream, uh, it, except for this show. And, uh, and this is so I was telegraphing. I was also... Uh, gauging response uh, that um, we're pretty much the only ones, or I, I think you're going to be on board with most of what I have to say, who see this in the way that it's actually unfolding and what this is really about. Uh, so in the in the in the lexicon, the way people speak. In fact, I have a uh, I have a little. This was on Friday. Glenn Greenwald was on Tucker Carlson, which is always a fun match since Greenwald is. Uh, definitely not the your typical Fox guest. And here's his take on what went down, and he's missing one important piece. Yeah, I mean, I personally find Steven Crowder to be uh, a, just a contemptuous cretin as a commentator. I do think he's an infantile bully which is, and bigot, which are not words I easily invoke. He didn't just criticize Carlos Maza. He mocked him for being gay and for being Latino. He used a lisp and things to ridicule him, sent a lot of harassment his way. But that's the point, Tucker, is that censorship advocates want our brains to only go to that most primitive first level of do we hate this person and are we therefore glad that they're being censored without thinking about the framework being endorsed or the consequences that ensue from it. I mean, I personally, it resonates a lot for me because I've dealt with harassment far greater than what Carlos Maza is complaining of. I'm a gay man in a country, Brazil, that just elected a president driven by intense anti-gay animus. My husband's a member of Congress and the oppositional party. We've been mocked and derided with our sexual orientation, not by random YouTubers, but by the president of the country himself on Twitter and his family members who are elected members of Congress. And it would never occur to me to run to social media companies to beg for censorship because in part, it's just something that comes with the territory of being a public figure, but more so because I don't want to live in a world where our discourse is policed and determined by benevolent overlords who run Silicon Valley companies, you know, where 
are always going to cater to the most powerful faction. That's what happened here. YouTube caved in, not in defense of the marginalized person, but in defense of the powerful one, the one who, despite exactly. being gay and Latino, works for a major media conglomerate. And that's what they're always going to do is defend the mob and defend the powerful at the expense of those who are, are marginalized. So Glenn Greenwald is correct that uh, Silicon Valley companies will always cater to the strongest influence, but he's incorrect in saying that the, that they will always cater to the strongest influence being big media corporations. No bullshit. And, I'm, and we're going to explain why. And with this Vox, Crowder, Gay Wonk, whatever it was, controversy the timing was perfect for a 21 month investigative piece to be published today that's just so coincidental this is the making of a youtube radical this is the front page of the new york times um which really shows you how evil youtube is at a systemic level and the people on it in particular pointing out stefan molyneux i think he can uh, be prepared for what's coming now, well, there was actually on the front page of the New York Times uh, a couple of things. One, they had the four uh, the front page of the online edition. They had four people. It's on the front. Uh, it's on the front page of the of the printed edition too. Okay, they had these four people. I, I think it, the front page of the online is pretty much a reflection, except except on the online version, they had them in motion. They were moving. They were oh animated. yeah, it was animated. It's, yeah, that's better. <laughs> it's it's an extra dimension. It's actually kind of cool. So they had the blonde in the bunker, whatever their name, or Blondie, Blondie, whatever her name is on the left. And then they had Paul. And then they had the other Paul Watson. Mm -hmm. Who's the guy with the beard? I've seen him before, but I, for some reason I could, and they didn't have a name of anybody. I don't know. I I don't know. Oh, you're no, you're no help. Somebody in the chat room knows who that is. Well, you said just, two, I, you I said two Pauls. The fact that I don't know who it is. Okay, well, I'll open up the article then. Uh, hold on. I can tell you exactly who it is. Uh, well, they got, I mean, they, have a, they must have a million different pictures on this article. We, oh, you no, mean no, the front not page? On the article. The article's got a million pictures. Okay. On the it's front. on the front page of the Times that you have these four guys. Okay, let me take a look. And I can tell you for a fact that on the on the article, I, I can't identify more than one or two people there. Okay, the Lauren Southern. I mean, it's, if if you're looking that's at not Lauren Southern, that's Blondie. That's Lauren Southern. Lauren the Southern. The upper Steph, left hand yes, Lauren. It even says it in the caption, John. Oh, okay. <laughs> Clockwise yeah, from left. Blonde. That looks just like Lauren her. Southern. Stefan Molyneux. Paul Joseph Watson. And Rebel Media. Rebel Media would be on the left, though. That's not... Uh, that's Paul Joseph... Uh, Paul Joseph Watson on the right. So it's incorrect. Even their caption is incorrect. Uh, and it's, an, it's actually... It's a, it's a nice, long piece. Very long article. Uh, but before we get to that, yeah. what, we're going, what we're going to talk about is advertising. And I think it's probably a good idea for us to state our credentials. In particular digital advertising because for some reason people think they understand advertising the misconception uh that advertising is oh well, you get bigger numbers you make more money it's how it works everybody gets it advertisers don't care if they advertise they just want eyeballs they just want eyeballs that's how it works and i think this started the with time code down yes i think this started with um really with the first ad networks and and the um display 
where we had the display ads first. If it just showed on a web page, you remember those days? You'd make the money. Ads. And those the were banner invented ads. by a couple of guys that used to work at PC Magazine when they went over to CNET, which is the company that invented the banner ad. So they had banner ads, and you know this has morphed uh, over time. But let's just go back. My credentials, besides having brought Budweiser to MTV, uh, which was very precarious, uh, Bud, uh, MTV really wanted Budweiser on the channel. We felt that, you know, for the money. <laughs> no other reason for the money. And uh, there was, they couldn't figure out a way to do it until we came up with the idea of Spring Break. Spring Break was created for Budweiser. Not because MTV wanted to go show how much fun kids were having. It was to get Budweiser on the channel. And there were several um, stipulations. The main one was nothing could be done live. Now, MTV did Mardi Gras. We do live. We do live all the time. Uh, back in the day, at least. I don't, I don't, it's all over. Uh, but Spring Break, ha- Spring, Break, Spring Break had to be uh, taped, taped and edited and delayed because uh, Budweiser could not condone anything happening that would involve kids drunk, <laughs> which is pretty much what Spring Break is. But it happened, and we got you know Budweiser and Bud Light, and it was you know it was fantastic. And in fact, for uh, then we brought in Nivea for some of the stuff that you know that might portray too much drunkenness. So they had different advertisers. But the the sensitivity of the advertisers what I'm what I'm getting to. So I started a company in 1993 called OnRamp, bought 15 other digital agencies, and created Think New Ideas. Took that public on Nasdaq in 1996. With Omnicom, arguably the biggest, either num- number two, one or two, depending on you know WPP, who you're arguing with, uh, conglomerate of advertising agencies that were our largest shareholder, personally invested by John Wren, the CEO, and we built the first a plague, a plague. <laughs> these companies they bought up everybody. Well, they didn't buy us up. We wouldn't let. They wanted to buy us. We said no. We'll go well, public. The and point you- is, is that all these little advertising agencies and some big ones used to be very famous. Doyle, Dane, and Burnback. You know these guys and that those guys, and they all end up part of a giant conglomerate. This yes. is terrible. Yes. And they call the shots. Anyway, continue, please. Uh, built the first website for uh, actually Budweiser. It was my f- the first call we got, Budweiser.com, Bud.com, BudLight.com, Reebok.com. They didn't have a website. We built Reebok.com, Pan- Tampax.com. Built this company, to, our company, Think New Ideas, to 700 employees, seven different countries, $450 million in revenue. Yeah, this is when you were famous. This was, and this was a, and you know, we were there with agency.com. It was called Digital uh, Silicon Alley. Jason Calacanis was still in New York. Um, so learned a lot about the sensitivities of advertisers. Let me give you a few examples from the early days. Reebok, we built planetreebok.com and we put a forum in there. Get a panicked call from the, uh, from the, well, it wasn't the CEO, but it was the chief mar- marketing officer. People are talking about our shoes that they're being made by children on this forum. What are we going to do? Close it down. Close the website down. <laughs> and she was a woman. That's the crazy part. That's how she sounded. That's another uh, time code. <laughs> it, it, it may unfortunately be this way for the whole show. Um, <laughs> and, you know, these were huge issues. We had AT&T. Oh, my goodness. Just a smaller example. Shut the website down. We did the You Will campaign. Shut the website down. com, which you registered, uh, was, remember Tom Selleck? And he had these stylized, and of course it all came true. He'd be sitting on the beach with some kind of 
you know, digital thing, some slab of whatever. One day, you'll send an email from the beach. You will. You know, so, so we built the website, youwill.com, and it was a, it was a promotion with a feedback loop. Uh, but these are the days of color monitors that did 256 colors. And the, uh, the uh, again, you know, our, we usually dealt with the, with the chief, with the C-suite, the chief marketing officers in buy-in from the CEO. So it was a big deal. They were looking at their AT&T logo, which, of course, has to be so many pixels from the, we didn't even talk in pixels at the time. So so many inches from the border of the page and you're from any content around it. But because of the color of the monitors and the state of, of color correctness and, uh, and clarity non-existent it, it didn't look like the at&t blue logo shut the website down you know i had to i had to fly <laughs> i had to fly i think it was in boston at the time whoever was in charge of it then I had to explain that that's not how so they're very 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 sen- oh here's another one it's my favorite we so we were at all we after being digital we really became a full service agency and also did television commercials and we did a big positioning piece for Oracle for the Super Bowl. And this would have been Super Bowl, oh man, the one in 97, 98? Can't remember. Oracle was major sponsor. And we did this beautiful, you know, like, you see monks, (laughs) positioning piece, we're Oracle, we're saving the world, it's going to be great. And we had uh, one of the first times a URL ran on the screen. On the screen. It was insane. Oh, Oracle.com. Um, in fact, it might have been OracleContest.com or some specialized thing. Uh, so this was to sell Oracle's wares. And uh, people started hitting the server the minute that popped up on screen. We were running the server. And uh, everything got overloaded pretty much immediately. We had no idea what to expect. These things hadn't been done yet. Unfortunately, we, well, fortunately, we had put some failover stuff in. So multiple servers, and some of those were uh, IIS, Internet Information Servers, running on Windows with the uh, Microsoft SQL backend. And somehow, you know, it failed over to these other websites. It got hammered so bad that an error appeared on the screen with Oracle, you know, contest.com. Error, Microsoft SQL Server, Internet Information Server. Let me tell you, we got fired. We got fired for that. Yeah, I would fire you too. Of course you would. Of course. I even tried to lie it off, but it didn't work. So we got fired. Um, there is such sense. I actually vaguely remember that incident because it may have floated around in the, in the tech writing. Oh, that could have, yeah. Yeah, I think it was one yeah. of those things. We we run into Microsoft did the same thing when they bought uh, Hotmail, and it turned out they were running. It was running on Unix. <laughs> it was running on or, Linux. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah I remember that too. That was very embarrassing. What? It's not running on your on your Exchange server? What? Yeah, of course. Try running a hundred people on Exchange, let alone you know hundreds of millions. Mm. So the point is, I have a lot of uh, experience with advertisers and sensitivity that they have. And controversy, if it's uncontrolled, they love controversy can be great. Uh, Reebok and and Nike both use this all the time. When it's controlled controversy, when they know the parameters, they know where it could spin out of control. Uh, But if it's an unknown, if they really don't know, even the smallest risk, the smallest risk will be taken as, let's avoid it. Let's not do that. Things could go bad. John, I'd like you to just briefly... 
give us a few of your credentials so we so people understand that we come from a business uh, where we really understand what's going on and it's way beyond just numbers. Well, I've talked about it on the last show, which is the fact that I've always worked in a commercial environments, except I was on public radio for a while. But that's very similar, uh, except that the commercial environment is kind of hidden from the public. But, you know, PC Magazine, the San Francisco Examiner and some of these other, and I probably every computer magazine that was done in the 80s. I've written for them. I've written for all of them. And, and I've written for the New York Times and elsewhere. And and you are very cognizant of the fact, even though you don't talk about it too much, uh, of of advertisers and what and what their influence is. And you get condemned for it constantly. Uh, people will always say, well, the only reason you're doing that is because you got, you got a lot of advertisers in the magazines that, that support this. And so you won't say anything bad about them. <laughs> but ironically... The public doesn't seem to really have a clue. Uh, they, they, that's an old bromide that all well, the advertisers are influencing the editorial because the main one that they'd always bitch and moan about was Microsoft. Right. And they'd always say, well, Microsoft you know, owns PC Magazine, Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft. And Microsoft rarely, if ever, uh, advertised in uh, PC Magazine U.S. <laughs> Almost uh, never. Yet they and were always, always blamed for, for influence. Because... <laughs> You know, we don't want to really hurt their feelings. I mean, the editors are pretty soft about a lot of this stuff. But my one of my favorite examples was I was in, being syndicated around the world on all these crazy little PC magazines that were everywhere. And I, and I wrote something up that pissed off Microsoft. Hmm. And they, even though they don't advertise, they have a lot of, they had a lot of public relations people and they had me banned from PC Magazine Italy, of all places. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I found this out from the Italian. Oh, yeah, Microsoft made a big stink, said they'll never advertise again if a Dvorak column ever appears in our magazine. Right. And so I thought that was pretty gruesome. Well, that's actually a, that's a, that's a great example. Just, just repeat that again. They said what? They said that if Dvorak appears in any issue of PC Magazine Italy, they, they will not advertise with them ever. Regardless of what it's about, regardless of where your column is, it was just you and your yeah, your attitude. Me, yeah. You and your I attitude. Actually, I actually showed up as being banned in one of there was discovery <clears throat> during one of these Microsoft uh, lawsuits, mm -hmm. and somebody sent me the some pages from Discovery. This was so Discovery is so great. Yes, because you can really get all the docs. And I was listed on there as a guy that they shouldn't be talking to. <laughs> Persona non grata. Yeah, and All I right. was also banned by uh, by Apple. I wrote a column about Steve. It was a pretty nasty column. It was it was an info world when I was there. I wrote this column when Jobs quit Apple, uh -huh. was rousted by Scully. Right. Uh, and I wrote, and he said Jobs was a jerk. <laughs> so I wrote <laughs> Steve. Goodbye, Steve Jobs. Good riddance. I think it was yeah. the title. Ooh, bad and boy. Told me that they saw that column in uh -huh. his office. Pinned ooh, to something, ooh, ooh. and uh, and I was banned. I wouldn't get any products. I wouldn't get uh, invited to any events. I, who cares? It's right, like, like right. To drive down to Cupertino anyway. Well, uh, but but anyway. But the best story was uh, Microsoft, big advertiser, uh, throwing their weight around in uh, Brazil. They had a piece of magazine in Brazil, and I would go down there every so often because I wrote for other magazines down there, and. Um, I was hanging out with the guy who's the publisher, and he said, "He said that Microsoft came down there and said uh, we want 
uh, we want 12 month uh, advertising spread uh, and then a six month advertising spread uh, for the next year and a half. Right. And the guy gave him the, the, uh, the, the rate card. Mm-hmm. And he said, and Microsoft guy, sales guy goes, no, he says, this, we're not paying anything for these ads. Oh, you just run them. He said, what are you talking about? We just don't <laughs> run ads for free. Yeah. He says, oh, no, you run them because if you don't have Microsoft ads in your magazine, oh, no you're, one you're will not, take you seriously. You're not a real magazine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was fascinating. That's a good one. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Well, then, anyway, t- So the point is I've been around. Too. Well, and, and together we, uh, uh, we read Podshow slash Mevio. We learned exactly how problem, certainly in today's environment, where... Um, you have ad buying networks, you have uh, auction based systems where people go in and say, okay, well, you know, and it's, it's what you'd expect it to be. It's what the promise always was. The promise was, all right, I want to get uh, 24, 35 year olds. I want to have them interested in this, interested in that. And uh, yeah, those are the eyeballs I want. And then go ahead and put it out there. And, uh, of course, this would run uh, on these networks. It would run on all kinds of scam sites, pop-unders, pop-overs, invisible, down on the page, never saw it, uh, all kinds of bots, fake clicks, fake views, so much. And then the advertisers started to go, yeah, you know, um, I got a call from my client and he saw his BMW ad running on this porn site. And, you know, so we have to, so then the ad networks had to clean up their business because of course it's it it the the basic idea of you pay fifteen dollars per thousand people that have seen this, clicked this, read this, heard this, etc. That remains. But when you have everyone able to see all of the places the advertising shows up, and the brand itself, who has been promised a and here it comes, brand safe exposure and experience, uh, they get very upset. When, in fact, at Mevio, we had this exact example with BMW, and it also ran on, I think it was either Madge Weinstein's podcast, and just on the, on the show page, and Madge Weinstein is the bloated lesbian from Chicago, and uh, they pulled the whole campaign. Well, you guys, you, you, how, can we, how can we trust you? How can you prove to us that that will never happen again? And uh, I think it consisted of me putting on my MTV jacket and hair and going over and blowing someone who still remembered. And that's usually how we got out of these things. So we understand this business, and it's not as cut and dry as you think it would be. And, and this is where everyone is missing what is really happening here. And there's no incentive for anyone to tell you exactly what's happening except for the guys who are no longer in the advertising business. That would be us. Now, YouTube... It's, it's, they don't break it out per se, but I've looked at all the estimates. Approximately $8 billion a year uh, in revenue comes in from YouTube. This is what we used to call in the business long tail revenue, long tail. And this is the only model that was working. Uh, this is not hits. The idea of having hits uh, as in a hit podcast network, which, as you know, I'm we proclaim that you cannot monetize the network. Uh, you cannot. The only way to do this is by running hundreds of millions of ads on cat videos, kids dancing, birthday parties, you know, that kind of stuff. That's YouTube's revenue. $8 billion a year. Now, some say five, six. I'm just going to put it at eight. That sounds about right. 
that's a lot of money. And it's not coming from Crowder. It's not coming from Joe Rogan. It's pieces of that, sure. Um, This is coming from huge, huge volume. The problem with huge volume is if you don't have artificial intelligence that can actually flag objectionable content that an advertiser would object to. We just gave you all these instances and examples. Um, You have to employ people. We know that there and all these thousands of people are working on checking uploads, making sure all the videos are brand safe, and determining whether they should have advertising running against them or not, which has turned into this uh, demonetizing term, which is completely disingenuous and not what's really happening. We talked about this on the last show. So, uh, bad PR is a problem, and it's a huge problem if it's systemic. So, uh, just reading from this article that came out today, um, just so you know where the New York Times is coming from. The New York Times has an agenda in this, and it's not reporting It is an agenda of grabbing the advertisers from YouTube as much as they can get. And everyone who reports on this controversy in the way that they have been as a left-right censorship, conservatism, bias, that's not the bottom line. Follow the money, $8 billion, and that's just YouTube. If alienation was one ingredient in Mr. Kane's radicalization, this is from the New York Times, and persuasive partisans like Mr. Molyneux were another, the third was a series of product decisions YouTube made starting back in 2012. This is the genesis of how we got here today. In March of 2012, YouTube's engineers made an update to the site's recommendations algorithm. For years, the algorithm had been programmed to maximize views by showing users videos that they were likely to click on. But creators had learned to game the system, inflating their views by posting videos with exaggerated titles or choosing salacious thumbnail images. In response, YouTube's executives announced that the recommendation algorithm would give more weight to watch time rather than views. That way, creators would be encouraged to make videos that users would finish, users would be more satisfied with, and YouTube would be able to show more ads. So this is what this this story is about. A month after its algorithm tweak, YouTube changed its rules to allow all video creators to run ads alongside their videos and earn a portion of the revenue they generated. Previously, only popular channels that had been vetted by YouTube were able to run ads. Very key difference. They went away from the vetting to the unvetted. The new algorithm worked well, but it wasn't perfect. One problem, according to several of the current and former YouTube employees, is that the artificial intelligence tended to pigeonhole users into specific niches, recommending videos that were similar to ones they had already watched. Eventually, users got bored. Google Brain researchers, I guess that's a division, wondered if they could keep YouTube users engaged for longer by steering them into different parts of YouTube. And so this is where this article takes an interesting turn and starts to talk about reinforcement learning this was their their new algorithm reinforce a huge success and and i, and I watched i watched this talk uh, at an ai conference in february min min chen a google brain researcher said it was youtube's most successful launch in two years site-wide views increased by nearly one percent a gain that at youtube scale could amount to millions more hours of daily watch time and millions more dollars in advertising revenue per year she added that the new algorithm was already starting to alter users' behavior. 
We can really lead users towards a different state versus recommending content that is familiar. So it was very popular. Lots of people watched, but they were going towards areas that this article says, claims, was all this bad shit, bad people, alt-right, Nazis, KKK, quadroons. The whole thing is just bad. Why are they saying this? Because the advertisers have become very wary. YouTube and Google is in an incredibly precarious situation. And I shall explain. One month ago, the upfronts were held in, uh, mainly in New York. John, do you want to explain the television upfront process? That's where the executives go in, up in front of all the advertisers and, and the affiliates, depending. It could be affiliates or advertisers or both. And they give them the uh, spiel for their upcoming season and what they're going to do and where the strengths are going to be and where the weakness is going to be and what they're going to look for and uh, to fill these slots, advertising slots and how they're going to make so much money and going to beat the crap out of the other networks because they really got it. They really got it figured out, I think, something yes. like that. So we have the exact – and I think it probably started with Yahoo years ago, Terry Semmel, uh, the Hollywood guy. They started doing their own content. We're going to be just like television. We're going to be better. Well, today that day is here. And YouTube is coming in as a, as a te- television provider. And so this is just from one month ago. TV networks came out with a strong message as they courted advertisers at the annual Upfront presentations in New York this week. Digital may be hot and growing like crazy, but TV can provide a brand-safe space for ads as the tech world grapples with a series of privacy scandals and abuses of their platforms. And this, of course, is a CNBC uh, article. Uh, These are all mainstream companies who want to fuck Google for a number of reasons. The main one being the 8 billion... Well, it's all of the all of Silicon Valley, but right now we're just focusing on YouTube. Makes it easier. Companies including CBS, Disney, Fox, NBC, Universal, and Warner Media pitched advertisers on their programming and promise of their own upcoming streaming services just two weeks after many of the digital players like YouTube and Hulu courted the same advertisers at the news front's presentations. The networks positioned their own offerings as bigger and safer than the challenges. Are you starting to see what's happening? If you want to take these billions of dollars in advertisement away from your competitor, it behooves you to do news stories about controversies involving left, right, Trump, orange man bad, anything controversial. Anything. Advertisers will walk away from that, particularly today's media buyers who are 20-somethings. They don't give a crap. They just don't want to get in trouble. Uh, they can probably get a couple of floor seats for a game if they you know, take business from this particular uh, advertiser. They're not going to put their, their, their ass on the line for some place where some guy is, you know, is he's calling this guy a lispy queer, you know, yeah, it's all cool, and YouTube left him on. They took away his, well, they took away his ads. But still, it could slip into something. Could it be some other person who's doing like that? I'm a little bit worried. A couple other articles. So the title of that was TV Networks Pitch Brand Safety Streaming to Advertisers at Upfronts. Uh, here is the next article. And this was just one, and this is, is all, um, this is Reuters. And this is, uh, this is from, yeah, May 13th. Three years ago, the beginning of the end of the U.S. television business looked certain when one of the largest ad-buying agencies vowed to move a big chunk of its purchases to YouTube from TV budgets. Let me repeat that. This is a Reuters article. 
It looks certain when one of the largest ad-buying agencies vowed to move a big chunk of its purchases to YouTube from TV budgets. The TV business did not die, far from it. Instead, data compiled from ad tracking by ad tracking firm Media Radar at Reuters request showed some advertisers are spending more on television networks' online properties and less on Alphabet Inc.'s video service. The data partially explains why Google's parent had its slowest quarterly revenue growth in three years. Oops. No, I didn't mean to do that. I meant to hit the ding. This is, this is, when you're talking $8 billion just from YouTube alone, this gets people's attention. This week, the big U.S. TV networks plan to drive the knife further into digital rivals, repeating the phrase brand safety and exploiting YouTube's struggle to curb unsuitable content during the upfront ad sales period when TV networks preview the fall season for advertisers. On stage and in private meetings, executives from Comcast Corp's NBC Universal, CBS Corp, Viacom say they are pitching themselves as one-stop shops because they have viewers on TV, their own streaming services, and their own streaming services. <clears throat> I think it's, I don't have to beat this horse anymore, that the mainstream outfits are creating as much panic and controversy and highlighting as many different controversies as possible to screw these guys into oblivion who have been eating their lunch this is and is it a coincidence that these things happened a month ago and in the past month this is where we've seen all the stepped up deplatforming demonetization which, which begs the question to me what took them so long they're idiots they are idiots and, and anybody who's worked in broadcasting and you can Anybody out there who's worked in broadcasting knows that you you constantly talk about the management of radio station being the dumbest guys in the world <laughs> yeah. and the management of television stations Stupid. being the dumbest guys in the world. And then people go back from television to radio and back and forth. Well, you know, I think the radio guys are dumber than the TV guys. Oh, no, I think the TV guys are dumber. But there's a theme. There's a constant theme. They're all dumb. <laughs> and they're scared. And this is... This is the, the, the it's, imp- it's so, it's really disgusting that they are hiding their, their revenue quest and actually propagating derisive behavior amongst the public by making it all seem that this is censorship, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's left, right, it's the Silicon Valley bias. You know what it is? It's the bias of, advertising executives it's the it's the fear and bias of uh well advertisers themselves because of controversy it doesn't matter what the controversy is but this is an easy one all you have to do is that guy's all right boom done i don't want to advertise on him you know why because one little thing could happen we've shown you examples of what can happen alex jones this has been going on for a long time, and they're disingenuous, and everyone, including Glenn Greenwald, is buying into that they're sitting there making decisions. Oh, let's get rid of this Crowder guy because he's alt-right. First of all, they didn't get rid of him. They demonetized him, which means, you know what? We like the million views you get, so... We don't want any ads running on it, but we like that our algorithms can make people click on stuff where we do have ads running. So, and that's how, how, how lame it really is that they can't even admit to that. But they don't give a shit. 
They'll take anybody off in a heartbeat. $8 billion in revenue doesn't come from a couple of big hits. It doesn't work that way. And my you cannot monetize the network is going to come true because you cannot monetize the long tail either. It's turning out because you can't police the content. And Google and it, I mean, right now you see Twitter. Twitter, it, it has turned on some algorithmic uh, deletion tools and you can't have a conversation on Twitter anymore. You'll go to someone, and you've seen this in your timeline, John. You, there's a, like someone tweets something, you go into the thread and it's like t- deleted, deleted, not available, not available. And these have all been removed. So they've broken their actual service. You cannot, you cannot, you can't read a thread anymore because it has to be removed for advertiser safety. Well, I'm going to make a prediction. Not about what you were going to say, which is pretty much what I thought you were. I knew you would. I knew you knew what I was going to do, of course. Um, first of all, and I wrote about this in PC Magazine Online probably a year ago. Facebook, and I'm throwing them in, Twitter, YouTube, everybody, all those guys, all the social networks, uh, with maybe the exception of LinkedIn, but even though they're kind of kind of falling into it too with their yeah. little articles and crap that they publish there yeah. for free. Uh, these people are not just, they're not an open sewer. Well, they are an open sewer, but that's not what I'm referring to. They are technically publishers in every way. I see no reason to think otherwise. Mm-hmm. And they do editing and they kick people off and they, they reject certain things. And it's all part of the publishing game. That's what you do when you're a publisher. They don't want to take full responsibility because there are some legal limits to what you can do and not do. And you can get sued in certain ways because you have, especially when you have the big deep pockets of these monstrous companies. If they do, I mean, Google, Alphabet, that's where I think they've been trying to divvy the company up in different ways so they can, you know, have a so they can be liable only in a kind of a pocketed area. But at the, at the point where they have to finally bite the bullet and say, okay, we're publishers, they are going to take these people that made lots of money on YouTube. Like there are people who have made a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm, sure. Even though it's possible a lot of it is fraud and there's been articles about that. And by the way, did we, to, to piggyback on what you just discussed, if you go back to last year, the 2018, late in the year, starting probably in October, there were a lot of New York Times articles and you can look them up. In fact, you can go do a search on fake YouTube views. Yes. And you'll find that there was article after article starting, actually it even started in 2015, according to this little list I have here, uh, where it they've, they've named names saying these are fake views. And I've known about this and you've known about it. And they still rack them up. And this was supposed to be the scandal that was going to pull the rug out from under the YouTubers and everyone else that had advertising support. The advertisers are another group that's kind of stupid, and they pay no attention to these articles, and that's when the, the, the worm turned and they had to take this other tact, which is the article that you're con- talking about. And that seems to be working. In well, other words, screwing the YouTubers and these other people on behalf of the, the old line publishers, the, the yes. idea that it's all fraud didn't work. So now we got this other censorship thing going on that, that seems to be working. And in fact, there was, um, uh, I just want to discuss section 230 
for a, for a moment because this is this is what gives um what indemnifies these companies from being sued for uh you know under tort law libel etc there was a an interesting article about google and they were I maybe mean, it was google's at facebook and they were arguing in court um let me see if i can find this here uh about whether they had the right to do this or not and they actually they will here we go the Internet Association, which represents Facebook, Google, Twitter, and other major platforms, claims that Section 230 is necessary for these firms to, quote, provide forums and tools for the public to engage in a wide variety of activities that the First Amendment protects. But rather than facilitate free speech, Silicon Valley now uses Section 230 to justify censorship, leading to a legal policy muddle. For instance, in response to a lawsuit challenging its speech policies, Google claimed that restricting its right to censor would, quote, impose liability on YouTube as a publisher. In the same motion, Google argues that its right to restrict political content also derives from its First Amendment protection for a publisher's editorial judgments. So on one hand, they say we're not a publisher. On the other hand, they say we need to have the rights of publishers. And I went back to look at Section 230 and I've always thought that it was kind of the distinction between publisher or platform. It's not. This thing was written in 1996, uh, passed during Bill Clinton's uh, reign. And there's, you need two definitions. One, what is an interactive computer service, which means any information service system or access software provider that provides or enables computer access by multiple users to a computer server, specifically including a service or system that provides access to the internet and such systems operated or services offered by libraries or educational institutions, which is just a comparison, not a requirement. And then the information content provider definition means any person or entity that is responsible in whole or in part for the creation or development of information provided through the Internet or interactive computer service. And here is the main part of the law that no provider or user, important, of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider, meaning YouTube, Google, anyone where you post your stuff, what we used to call user-generated, that's, that's your problem right off the bat, no matter what it is, cannot be held liable. Yeah. On the account of... No, here we go. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be held liable on the account of two cases, any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. Or cannot be held liable by any action taken to, innate, to enable or make available to information content providers or others technical means to restrict access to material described in paragraph one. So it doesn't matter what they are. It doesn't matter. They have the right to cut, to restrict, to do whatever they want. And so do you, apparently, because you know, it's user and provider. 
So there's no way that publisher or anything else comes into play here. Yet. Unless they are authoring the content. Now, you can argue that um, that an algorithm writes or restructures. Well, actually, no one's made that argument, but it's an interesting one. I think I could make the argument. Yeah, well, I think now that you mention it, it's not a bad argument to make. If they have algorithms doing anything, they are then authoring. I believe that to be true. If you have an algorithm that can drive a car, it can probably write an article. Of course, we know neither one works. The point is, is that these guys are publishers, and someday this will be recognized yes. as in, yes. in law. And they will, and the prediction I was going to make is that at some point they're going to get a clue and realize that as publishers, which they really are anyway, that they don't have to do this piece of the action business with these people that are getting a million dollars a year. At all. They can just say, hey, we'll give you $50,000, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. No ads. Yeah, no ads. Just do whatever you're doing so we can have people click other places for ads. But I, I think that's pretty limited because, again, it is the controversy that sets advertisers off. And it's being exploited by the mainstream who are trying to get those advertisers. Sure. And, and they finally got a clue. Forever, the mainstream is the one promoting these things. And, and, Why are you guys promoting this? I used to do this in yes, the magazine. Yes. PC Magazine would continually, without any advertisers even taking part, because Microsoft never advertised, they kept promoting Microsoft products. And I said, Why aren't we promoting all the competitors to Microsoft? Right. Because that will keep us in business in the future because you'll have a lot of different people that can advertise. It'll be a, a richer environment. Now, now you know, Microsoft <laughs> makes a pretty good mm-hmm. – so Word got more promotion. You know, at one time there was like maybe six or seven good word processors out there. They all boiled down to Word. There's nothing out there now that's really competitive. Oh, remember Jazz? The Lotus Jazz, jazz Suite? Lotus Jazz. <laughs> Lotus Jazz. <laughs> Could yeah, never quite get remember. it to boot I right from the floppy. Have a copy. Yeah. Um, so the part that I take uh, offense to is the mainstream who are disingenuously, um, highlighting divisive arguments, um, for their own benefit to take the advertise, to scare advertisers away from doing business with Silicon Valley. I think they're doing a lot of damage to, uh, to public discourse in the process of that. And I think that's, that's uh, egregious to me, and so I'd like to suggest a way to break them. I'm, I've always been a radical. Because there's, there's an inherent flaw. They have a flaw. All of these companies have a flaw that can be exploited and will bring them to their knees. Interested? I am, but at first I want to kind of re-up or, or kind of back you up with this, with look at this front page of the New York Times and just tell you what the headlines are. How can AI be weaponized to spread disinformation? <laughs> yep. Part of the same thing. This is this article shows up right under the making of a YouTube radical, which is what you were talking about, which also had a, a kind of a, a overhead. It had like a, a section name extremism online. No, the perfect. One, then you have, perfect. You have why is and then another one the editorial board is writing an editor why is America so far behind Europe on digital privacy? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So the whole thing is like targeting yeah. targeting the uh the tech community. So what's your th- what's your thesis? Um 
every company, Facebook, well, the ones that matter, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Google, or YouTube in this case, and Google has a pretty damn good business with search. They are now, they've been, they've been put on notice. They now have to make sure that everything that's uploaded that could possibly have ads. In fact, they're not even doing, they're, they're just saying ad yes or no. That's probably what they're looking at, at this point. Um, when you report something on Google, Facebook, or Twitter, if you report it with hate speech, which cannot uh, be evaluated by artificial intelligence and is not being evaluated by artificial intelligence from all reports I've read, uh, that has to go to human being. Report everything as hate speech. Every video, every tweet, we need scripts, we need browser extensions, everything needs to be reported as hate speech. It will bring these companies down. <laughs> they will not be able to handle the volume. It will, it will create backlogs. It will create anger. It will create people not understanding. Uh, it will bring them down. Now, of course, that means we get you know mainstream companies as our. It'll definitely d- d- not understand it because if you got a, you know alert comes to your desk and you get to look at it and somebody says hate speech, you'd, you'd have to watch the whole. They thing. They got to watch the whole thing, and then you'd have to try to say what? Where's the hate speech? So you'd probably have to watch it again. <laughs> this yeah, is you could really screw up the system. No, no, not could. It has to happen. It is the. It is the look, Professor Ted calls you he calls on you to stop the tech revolution slow it down this is if it wasn't for the it it being it being very divisive in culture and people getting very angry at each other and fueled by this fight about uh, for their dollars i wouldn't care that much but now we, we just have to we got to kill them we got to kill them all everything everything you see even from me you see a tweet from me, a video, report it. Hate speech. <laughs> Everything. That's the way. And, and it'll get bogged down. They will freak out. They won't know what to do. Hate speech. Hate speech. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I look at the, I know the only time you get attention from the Twitter uh, when you report mm-hmm. is if you put it's ab- abusive against a group. Or, I mean, there's certain kinds of things. Let me, in fact, we could probably exercise the system right now and look at Twitter and see and report something. For example, I'll just boot it up, which I can do now. And I will look at, uh, uh, let's just take any old random thing here. Here's something from Sputnik. They don't like them. <laughs> so I'm going to go click and I'm just going to go report tweet. And now it's going to say, I'm not interested in this tweet, which isn't going to mean anything. It's suspicious or spam. It displays a sensitive image. It's abusive or or harmful. Uh, You probably have to click on it's abusive. And then when you do that, it goes to it's disrespectful, that no no big deal, contains private information, includes targeted harassment, directs, and this is a big one, directs hate. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, hate. Against a protected category. That's what you'd click on. I think if you also clicked on threatening violence or physical harm, that would probably help a little bit. But uh, the, yeah, you got to be. This per- you have to be careful because encouraging yeah. suicide. Yeah, you're going to eventually get to get kicked off by doing this too much. 
Because you know, if you report if you report fraudulently, uh, you could, I do it quite a bit. Yeah, but not fraudulently. No, no, no. mine are all legit, of course. Obviously. Um, but hate, but, but hate speech. Yeah, it's like that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty open for interpretation. Yeah, you could do it a few times. Everyone can do it a few times without getting kicked off. Keep them busy. Ah, hold okay. the tape right. of the show, and they'll kick you off. I'm do- pretty protected. I've got the check mark. <laughs> you've got the mark of the beast is what you've got. You are anything but protected. They've been waiting to kick your ass off for a long time. One misstep, Dvorak, we're unverifying you. It's like taking away your personality. I've never seen him. I don't know who's ever been unverified. Uh, Verification is it not has about, happened to. It's not like a, a knighting. It's it not has like happened. Any, yes, it has happened to people that their check why, mark what, got what, taken what away. The, what is it? What the, what is the point? The verification is, is there for a purpose. I, not it's to mean that the person that says who they say they are are who they are. They un, they, they are. unverified Milo Yiannopoulos before they kicked him off, which was funny. We laughed about it. I don't remember them unverifying him. Yes, they unverified him. Well, that makes zero sense. Yeah, well, that's... But they, In fact, if he's not verified, then it's uh, maybe it's not Milo, and they why would they kick him off? They're kicking off some random guy. All right. It doesn't make sense. I'm not going to rehash I, that. It's, of course it doesn't make sense. They're violating their own terms of service. <laughs> Report should, them for hate speech, Devorah. They should shut down. Uh, before we go to our break, since we took a little time on that, uh, I've, I, there's some, some new information that I'd like to uh, report regarding the Boeing uh, 737 MAX 8. Um, you know, these problems uh, with MCAS software, that's the, you know, we've, we've kind of been through this, how they, uh, they changed the aircraft, uh, didn't make the changes clear to pilots, you know, didn't really document them the way they could have been. And uh, then with one faulty sensor, all kinds of things went haywire and 346 people died in two of these aircraft. Now, when Obama was president, the FAA certification system the ODA, Organization Designation Authorization Program, was being pushed very hard by the administration uh, to, in a, to fast-track sales of Boeing and to push, through, push the, the pipeline as fast as possible. Under the program, companies like Boeing were able to appoint their own representatives to act instead of the FAA inspectors. And I don't know if we talked about it in that to that degree at the time this was taking place. Um, Not at the time it took place. We've talked about it since a little bit. I mean, this was the big complaint that everyone was pointing the finger at Boeing inspectors. Well, in fact, this put Boeing themselves in charge of certifying their software. Right. Um, and I want to play a, a a quick clip here from Obama um, as he was, I think. Well, it's, it's not really important exactly what he was signing. It's what he says. Well, I want to say, uh, make a, a special note to some of the small businesses that have been represented here because what we've seen is that when small and medium-sized businesses can, can cut through the red tape and understand how to export, actually they can compete pretty well. Uh, and that's an area where we can uh, make, uh, make significant progress. Obviously, big companies like Xerox or Boeing, we want to keep on uh, growing them because small businesses are uh, you know, up and down the supply chain. Uh, and are, you know, when, when we sell a, uh, a bunch of airplanes 
a lot of small businesses and medium-sized businesses are benefiting from that as well. Uh, but uh, in China, I am very enthusiastic about this. Uh, I think uh, Jim, at least, will confirm that uh, I'm happy to go out and make sales. I'm, I'm expecting a, a gold watch uh, uh, from Boeing at the end of my presidency uh, because uh, I, I know that uh, I'm, I'm on the uh, on the list of top salesmen uh, at, at at Boeing. And indeed. Boeing donated $10 million to the Obama Presidential Library in Chicago. But who cares? People dead, doesn't matter. Thanks for the gold watch, everybody. That's a pretty expensive gold watch. Yeah. He just said it. Can you imagine if any other president had said that? I want a gold watch. I'm the best Boeing salesman. I think Trump says he's the best Boeing salesman often, but he's never asked for a gold watch. <laughs> and uh, and people died because of the administration's uh, policies of having is just like the FDA uh, having uh, the companies themselves police themselves. What the hell are we paying you, Jamokes, for? Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. it's called collusion. Collusion, I tell you. Collusion. And with that, I'd like to thank you for your courage. Say in the morning to you, the man who put the C in commercial deplatforming, John C. Dvorak. In the morning to you, Mr. Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships and sea, boots on the ground, feet in the air, subs in the water, and all the dames and knights out there. In the morning to the trolls in the troll room. Noagendastream.com is where you can always participate in the conversation uh, that goes on there, and you can listen to the stream. It is There's always something interesting on the stream. Last night, uh, what do you have, Nick the Rat, last night? I don't think we had Nick. I think he's still in Ireland. Uh, this morning before the show started, Darren O, there's, uh, there's great music, there's pod safe music, there's talk, talk, and there's trolling going on. Noagendastream.com. Also, in the morning... Uh, to Darren O'Neill, uh, there's his name, twice in one show. He brought us the artwork for episode 1145, 1144, sorry. Uh, title of that, uh, that was uh, Thursday's show, was Climate Optimist. And it was, uh, you know, we went for the cheap laughs. Homeless Hookers was the artwork. It was just good. Cheap laughs, if especially if it's done artistically, is always a winner. There was something else we were going to mention. About the artwork. Was there something else we were going to say? Well, we were going to talk about... Yes, we were going to say something. Do you remember uh, what? <laughs> I don't remember what it was. We talk about these things after the show and the postmortem, yeah. and then we never talk about them uh, yeah. afterwards. But let me take a look at the list here of the stuff that's going out. There's the jock strap that was kind of funny. Uh, oh, yeah. We did like the... Uh, we did the other... The oh, the Mike Riley? Said yeah. It was the deflated Mike Riley piece, scissored. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that, it was uh, it was just uh, didn't have enough other elements. It's a good piece. Um, I don't know. We didn't have any. I don't think we had anything specific to say. Okay. No, I just had a note here. Remember to talk about it, and I guess I didn't fill well, out the we rest. Well, obviously, the note has to be more uh, <laughs> more specific. Should work on that. I got on a my... note here that says, "Let's talk about this." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to help. All right. Uh, we do have some people, right, well, we to, do thank. Have people to thank. We people to thank. start with them. Uh, we have a top-heavy day today. We didn't get a lot of donations, but and they all came in at the top. So you'll see it in the second half. We only have 35 people that donated out of 8, 20, 18, 20,000. 20,000. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. But we had some big ones like Lisa Donner came yes. in with $1,000. And she says, you guys are the best. 
top of the heap in my book. Wish I could listen more often. Play me something funny and keep it. Keep up the great work. You guys rock, now, Lisa. So this is an inst- daming. He never says that. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why I'm, I'm at, first of all, I know who this is because I only met her just yesterday. Where'd you meet her? Where'd you meet her? I met her online. Oh, well, that's not. Yes. Know, yes. Because she is the, uh, uh, exec, I think, mm, see the executive managing editor. She is the, the number two head honcho at Liberty Nation. Oh. And she tweeted, she said, uh, this was a poll that we took. So we didn't, we didn't create it. Like, you know, PC Magazine would create those bullcrap polls. You know, it was it was something, you know, they just make it up. It's not PC Magazine. It's 99% <laughs> of all publications. The editors, I've told it, said this before. The editors sit around usually at lunch. They get a lunch in and they discuss who should be on the top right. 10. Right. Exactly. And there's always one joker in, put, that always wants to put some joke person in there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course, I did it. I've that's, done it. That's what you do. Uh, so she said, "No, this was a poll," and uh, and she's a big fan, uh, Lisa K. Donner, and um, and she said, "I voted number one," and I guess her photo editor she voted us as number one. The people at Liberty Nation listen to us. There you go. That's 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 what's going on. It's it's, it's unnecessary, but well, for the show, it's very necessary. Uh, Miss Lisa Donner, thank you very much. I, I, I'd like to dame her, but I don't know. Um, shall we just wait and see if she comes back with yeah, a name? Yeah, we'll wait because she may have some she wants, but some it, suggestions. It's not be a, a black knighting because she. No, 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 no. Wouldn't be a black knighting, but yeah, um, it's a very, very, very nice uh, show support. Uh, yeah, Lisa. especially since we already got number three. <laughs> And she does ask for something funny. Keep up the great work. You guys rock. Thank you very much. I picked something funny for you. Also going to give you some karma because you deserve it. A, B, C. It's as racist as one, two, three. What's the premise? Do, re, mi. A, B, C. One, two, three. Baby, you're not C. A, B, C. It's as racist as one, two, three. What's the premise? Do, re, mi. A, B, C. One, two, three. Fitting, ABC, easy as one, two, three, racist as could be. <laughs> we are now alt right, everybody. And thank. Actually, if you look at the their mission statement, they are not uh, an alt right or necessarily conservative publication. Uh, they claim to They're have libertarian. Libertarian, correct? Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Uh, well, you know, there's so many different schools of libertarian. Yeah, who knows? That I myself, who used to call myself a libertarian, especially in the early days of the show, stopped. Yeah, because it, it, it fits in anywhere now. Or I, when people started saying to me, "You're probably a libertarian," that's when I was like, "No, no." That's when I stopped. They're like, "No," just the way you said that. I don't want to be whatever you had on your mind. Yeah, I said I'm nothing. No. I'm, what are we un- I'm, unaffiliated? I am technically. Because there's a, a fourth category in California, you can be a uh, you can be a libertarian. You can be, you can be subscribing to any of these peace and freedom party, Republican, Democrat, or independent. When you get a ballot, the independents have their ballot. But there's the the the, the real category you want to be in unaffiliated. Yes. And so you go into the voting booth and say, "Oh, you're unaffiliated. Right, right. Which ballot would you like?" Yes, I'm unambiguous. Yeah. 
unambiguous. Michael Mugler comes in second no, place. Yeah. With, oh, uh, yeah. He's, he's yeah. out of Fort Knox, Tennessee. You got a note from him? 635 bucks. Yeah, he sent a check in. Mm-hmm. And he says, please de-douche me. No. This is long overdue donation. Right. <laughs> You've been de-douched. I'm calling this the F-35 donation, $635. Hmm. If the F-35, the fighter jet. If the Red Book is still a thing, I would like, it's the, kind of a show thing, but it's not like for, you know, we don't, we probably should have a wiki page with people just putting their own predictions in. Yeah. I would like to add the following. <laughs> July 2019 is the release of Top Gun 2. Seeing that Tom Cruise has gone from being an American action hero to that of a global one, I predict the following. Oh, I, I, Tom I can, Cruise. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to encourage people to put, send their predictions in with large donations. Tom Cruise will be the poster child for global sales for the F-35. Why else do we need another Top Gun movie? I can think of no other global actor better positioned to generate worldwide sales. Huh. So I'm on board with that. I, 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 I like the theory. positioning. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. My other request is of a personal one. I was medically retired from the Army back in 2013. Last fall, I received a 100% permanent disability, permanent and total disability rating from the VA. I was keeping my fingers crossed for 50%. In light of this, may I convert my title to, he's a, he's a sir, by the way. Okay. So Sir Michael, yeah, Sir Michael Mugler, I've, I remember he's been donated quite a bit until lately. Uh, I want to convert my title to Sir Anthrax, failed vaccine tester. <laughs> so we have to assume. Yeah, well, that's what you, what you you're, if you get a full medical discharge, you have to assume that considering the, the military shoots those guys up with everything. That uh, yeah, we have to assume he was a failed vaccine tester and he's got some he's ailment. Got, he's no got anthrax. To- army as i start this new chapter in my life i'm glad to have you guys and this show to keep me grounded karma please to support my july court date with social security to receive disability jungle request fear is freedom jungle i said jungle jingle (laughs) fear is freedom thanks again for all the years of deconstruction and helping me deal with my changes in personality and loss of short-term memory what michael holy crap Sir Anthrax, failed vaccine tester, thank you so much. Fear is freedom. Subjugation is liberation. Contradiction is truth. Those are the facts of this world. And you will all surrender to them. You pigs in human clothing. You've got karma. It's kind of like, wow, man. I know that because we get lots of emails from uh, from servicemen and women who say, oh, yeah, no, they shoot us up with vaccines. And then, you know, they have to come back two months later and say they couldn't find the paperwork that they had just shot up, shot me up with some vaccines. They have to do them all over again. It, the, when you're in the armed forces in the United, in these United States of Gimbo Nation, you are often a guinea pig. Which is really not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Thank you for your courage. Uh, check and make sure. Well, he's not on the upgrade list, so you're going to have to put him on manually. Oh, you mean the ch- title change list? Yeah. yeah. Of course. Of course. He was just Sir Mike, wasn't he, as far as I know? Uh, yeah, I think so. Sir Mike Muggler. Yeah. It was, may have been something else, but it's fine. He's going to be changed anyway. I, uh, Isabel, 
Pearson, $555.55, ITM Gents. This donation is particularly important as according to my subscription, it will take me over the all-important amount. (coughs) Excuse me. Also, just ahead of the London meetup, which I'll be attending. Oh, how nice. Yeah, it's going to be at the Victorian uh, pub and over there by Paddington. This is where we had our other meetup. Yes, we, we decided to go for um, for a, a sure thing. So we'll probably just do them there forever. Yeah, why not? And Wednesday's going to be better than our night. We did a Friday or Saturday night. It was packed. I've actually tried PayPal, notwithstanding to donate consistently for as long as I can remember. Never totting up this amount, as I felt it was value for value and having a title wasn't so important. My regular payments aren't linked to my subscriber amount, but I'm going to make this one count. Claiming a title again is so appealing since I was denied listening to the show for a few months whilst whilst in hospital. <laughs> She in the United States? No, she's British. She's, she gets a pass on this this language. Oh, okay. Yo, that's right. She's going to go <laughs> yes, to the meetup. The meetup, yeah. Okay, yeah. Whilst in hospital, I think you should say uh, whilst. Was that the first uh, hospital visit since you left university? <laughs> uh, thankfully, making a good recovery. How time flies as you two actually discussed me on show three one seven. Oh, for a humbling couple of minutes. Oh, as I pointed- yes, quarter dropping. I remember. Sure. As I pointed out that I'd listened to you since the first show, Mm -hmm. you then felt that there were fewer female supporters. However, I was so proud that in your own words, you stated that I had been found and identified the female listener, the first (laughs) female listener, in fact. Anyway, roll on Wednesday when I'll meet Tina and Adam. Isabel. And she's going to be Dame Isabel Pearson. Eric the Shield did put Lisa Donner on as a dame. I just feel that uh, I don't know. We'll wait. We'll wait for her. But Isabel is going to be a dame. She had no specific name, so perfect. And look forward to to, to meeting you in person on Wednesday. Wow, that's eleven years. She's been listening, ex- except for a few months when she was in hospital and out of commission. Hmm. That's great. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm gonna, I think it'll be a good meetup. Let me give some karma here. For Thank you very much, Isabel. See you. You've got. Karma. At the round table later and in uh, in London at the meetup on Wednesday. Excellent. Well, maybe Eric got a note or something as possible from Lisa. Did, what does he have her being a dame? Dame, dame Lisa. D- dame. Why don't we just do, 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 we just do that? Yeah, I trust and him. And then she, if she wants to change her title, we can do we that. We can later. always change it. Okay, so we'll just do uh, Dame Lisa Donner and Dame Isabel Pearson. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, good that's good. fine. Nobody yeah. has to get fancy. And uh, but this is a funny show but I'd because like now getting we fancy. Have Justin Bis- Bissett in Watatawosa, Wisconsin. Now somebody sent us a, a pronunciation gazetteer on how to pronounce all these funny names, mm-hmm. which are all apparently old French. Yeah, uh, was this name in there? I, I don't have. I I meant to print Bissette? it out and stick it up. It, in the it wall. should be. It should be. I don't. I don't recall. Watatosa, Watatosa, I don't know. Mm. We'll, we'll, eh. Birthday donation. Hello, John and Adam from Wawatosa. Wawatosa. Last year, my wife, Tiffany Feel, you know, when we first started doing this show, uh, in the first, maybe the third season, mm-hmm. uh, I, I got a note for somebody said, you really do a wonderful job of pronouncing Wisconsin names because they're all crazy. 
And now I'm condemned for being the worst at it. <laughs> I don't think condemned is right. People just want to help you. Last year, my wife, Tiffany Fielder, donated for her birthday, June 8th, and asked for some health karma. The health karma was for her brain surgery to deal with trigeminal neuralgia, hmm. I think. That's the way you pronounce it. If you happen to recall, this is the disease that is nicknamed the suicide disease and causes pain to the face oh. like a taser. Yes, I remember this. Yeah, I vaguely remember it. It sounds horrible. I'll bet you she remembered. Well, it sounds like, uh, what is that thing you get uh, from uh, when you had chicken pox and later in life you get something else? Uh, 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 scales? No. What's it called? Sca uh, yeah, scales. scales. <laughs> you get gills. <laughs> Somebody in this chat room knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's uh, around your, it's uh, shingles. Shingles. Scales. And you get these horrible, scales. These horrible pains. Scales, gills, scales. shingles. Scales. I knew we'd get there. Well, I'm very happy he continues. Well, I'm very happy to report that yet again, No Agenda Karma works. She's been pain-free for a year and has been kicking ass at recovery. Good. On top of the health karma, there must have been some jobs karma too because she now has a job she loves. So here's the happy birthday to my smoking hot wife. Can you play a Sharpton clip, shape-shifting Jew, and a goat scream? Another dose of health karma would be appreciated too. Thanks for all you guys do. Absolutely, Justin. We could not be happier. This is this is a very good note, and of course, she's on. Uh, Tiffany's on the list, so we'll be congratulating her later. And I even pulled up a a fresh Sharpton ditty to play for you. Could this ultimately end up backfiring on the Republicans? Are they over jumping the runway here? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help myself. <laughs> Thought. Karma. There you That's go. a good catch by someone. What? The Sharpton clip. No, You're I not I, watching the show. No, no, this is that's an old one. It's an oldie but it a is, goodie. It's an old one. Yeah, I pulled it from the archives. Oh, I don't remember it. Well, anyway, that's it. We don't have any associate executive producers for show eleven forty five. That's that's something that hasn't happened often. No, usually the other way around. That's very odd. Well, the way we run this show is um, we like to thank as many people as possible uh, for their support of the program. It's how the value for value system works. Some people get value out of hearing their name and having their note read. Uh, most get the value out of what they get from the program and then telling us about it. Uh, people want jobs karma, health karma. It's all pieces of the network that you came up with. We didn't. Um, and we... We always like to thank, in fact, very much like Hollywood, our executive producers and associate executive producers up front. Uh, it's odd, though, that uh, we didn't have any associates. So it's $300 and above for executive, 200 above for associate executive. And we, of course, thank everyone over $50 in our second segment. I was thinking of something, an idea, John, just an idea. Uh, since we, you know, we're not anti some of the, taking some of the mainstream ideas, such as, you know, executive producer it's exactly executive producers uh put money into the project that's exactly what they do so it's yeah. it's a, it's a valid it's a valuable title and it works anywhere titles are accepted i have not 
been able to come up with a name for the studio yet. And I, and every show, I'll get notes after the show. I really miss you saying, you know, in the 5 by 9 Cludio. Well, I can't say that because I'm not in the Cludio anymore. I was thinking if we, uh, we just follow along with uh, some of the mainstream things that we do like to emulate, such as knighthoods, you know, that's very mainstream. It's been around for a couple thousand years. I have, before you go on, how about putting a little sign outside the doors and calling it the Tish Studios? Well, you're, you, you almost have what I was thinking. Studio naming rights. We've, <laughs> we've got the Nokia Theater. We've got, you know, everything has a name. This is a great idea. And this, by the way, this wasn't a network TV idea. This came from the one of the first places that this evolved from was the San Francisco Giants Candlestick Park which was, you know, was named, I forgot what the first name was now, but it became Monster Field and all these different things. And it went from like, hey, I'll give you $50,000 if you call your stadium. Okay, we'll take it. And then they realized that, wait a minute. And so they, they upped it to <laughs> half a million. Now I think it's millions of dollars for naming rights in any of these. So you, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure what the parameters are, but I would love to see like do auction. the, the Nussbaum uh, studio. <laughs> It could be could be anything like that. So it's something we need to work on. But it just came to me this morning, like, I want to be able to call the studio something, but why don't we just yeah, do naming rights? And they could be limited. They could be naming rights for one show, one week, one month. I don't know. It's just something to think about. Let's mull it over. Let's <laughs> mull it over in the, in the next meeting. Okay. Is the meeting over? <laughs> That's how our meetings go. Hey, got yeah, it. pretty much. Yeah. I would like to read a note before I continue. Sure. This is the uh, one of our nights. It's going to be knighted today, Sir White Noise. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Moore's note. I just thought it was an interesting note. I came through and I said, oh, that's kind of funny. Um, because one of those insightful notes from a guy who doesn't doesn't care that he likes to reveal that he started at the CIA. Yeah. His note, his note begins, my career started at the CIA while in college as a dude named Ben. I eventually worked for director John Doith. Or Duth, I can't remember who that guy is, and George Tennant, we know him. Oh, he's a, which was wait a minute, great so, experience. So this goes back a while. Yeah, it does. Right. One time, my boss told me to swap out the green phone at an office located in the basement of headquarters. Yeah, let me just this say, it, an, hold on. If if my boss told me go swap out the green phone in the basement, I'd be thinking they were going to whack me. I wouldn't yeah, go. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, want to like, go uh, down in the guy, basement. The one where. Uh, <laughs> Pesci goes in because he's going to get promoted. Casino. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it it sounds like it. The mafia cut mafia hit. One time my boss told me to swap out the green phone in an office located in the basement of headquarters. This is an odd request because of all the offices I supported were at the top floors of HQ. After na- I'm assuming this is Langley. After navigating my way through a maze of narrow hallways, I finally arrived at the office and walked in. It was a small, this actually is a movie scene. It was a small dark room that had outdated furniture from the 50s. Everything was old, including the man behind the desk who was smoking a fucking cigar like a boss. (laughs) This is great. Headquarters has a smoke-free facility, but this dude was just puffing away while his secretary, who was just as old, was typing something out of her ancient typewriter. I felt like I teleported back in time. Uh, The old man, in what was probably an effort to brag about his former glory, asked, quote, 
Do you see those boxes? He pointed over to boxes with labels. <laughs> JFK, <laughs> Iran-Contra, and Roswell. What? Roswell? Yes, Adam, Roswell. <laughs> you get so many security briefings drilled into your head about the need-to-know policy that even though I wanted to know, I didn't need to know, so I didn't ask any questions. I have no idea who he was, but it was my most bizarre experience there. I would greatly appreciate a mention for my latest app, Playapod. Playapod. Playa? Playa? Is it like an, I'm a playa or play a? Play a pod? P L A Y A. Because I got your playa pod right here. Playa. Like the playa. Yeah, I got your playa pod. Which is the best way to listen to the best podcast in the universe. No agenda has been featured in Playa Pod since its inception. I'll eventually adopt your value for value model, but for now it's a non money making passion project. Ah. Uh, you and Adam make an awesome team, and I really enjoy the M5M beatings you regularly, <laughs> regularly give. Oh. Thanks for keeping us all sane, and please send me some mobile app karma. Hey, I'll check and that out. It says specifically you have my permission to read my name and, sh- and letter on the show, Todd Moore. All right, Todd. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Great story. I'd love to know more about this room. Yeah, sounds the room great. with the Ros box of with Roswell, Roswell box and uh, play a pod. Yeah, I'll I'll check it out. I'll tweet out a link to it later on. Uh, very cool. And thank you. And here is some uh, play a pod app karma for you. Thank you for your support of the show. You've got karma. He will become a knight today, uh, and he was on the twenty month layaway plan. Congratulations! Yeah. It does work. Yeah. It, it does, does work. work. <laughs> Uh, thanks, everybody, for your support of the program, um, especially our executive producers that we had today. We'll be thanking more people, $50 and above in our second uh, segment. Um, the next show will be coming to you from London in Gitmo Nation East, the United Kingdom, as the Keeper and I will be flying in on Wednesday for our meetup. More about the meetups later on. And, of course, you can support us at Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. Pretty sure you got a good dose of deconstruction on the latest apocalypse. Go out, propagate that. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. We've gone quite a while here, and I don't believe we played a clip. <laughs> well, we have, we've played a few clips, but we we have been chatting a bit, yes. I have a uh, final entremont. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When we do this, I have to say your aircraft, and then you say my aircraft. So that I know that you have control. So it's your aircraft. Okay, it's my aircraft. You're good to go. Here's an old Bob Hope movie clip. From pro- I think this is from the 40s, uh, maybe the 50s, but it just shows you that things do not change the way people like to imagine that they do. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. Oh, horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders. Not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? <laughs> I've, I've seen this one. <laughs> yeah. I guess the bashing has been going on for a while. What year was that? That uh, I don't know. It's, it's probably, funny. I'm guessing, the uh, 
it's, late 40s or it's maybe a, the 50s. It's a classic. It's a classic. Very nice. It's a classic. Hey, I think I'm right uh, about the, the 2024 moon shot. It seems like that's bull crap. Like it's not going to happen. Well, Trump's already put the kibosh on it, hasn't he? Yeah, he's saying like, uh, no, 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 let's not waste any time on the moon to the Mars. To Mars we must go. Oh, please. So so here's here's how it happens. Someone goes, oh, Mr. President, uh, you know, about the uh, uh, about the moon thing. Yeah, this is problematic. Uh, you know, why don't you just say Mars, push it out a little bit. That'd be better for us. You know, it could be. Uh, you know, Mr. President, uh, I have a couple of clips here for you, Mr. President. This is Don Petit, uh, former NASA astronaut. Uh, he has something to say. I'd go to the moon in a nanosecond. Uh, the problem is we don't have the technology to do that anymore. We used to, but we uh, destroyed that technology, and uh, it's a painful process to build it back again. Yeah, Mr. President, I, I don't think we should, we should probably talk about something else but the moon, because I don't think we can do it. Here's Gene Kranz, the Apollo 11 NASA flight director. I haven't uh, seen anything that indicates the telemetry data is even in existence, and as I said, even if we had it, we don't have the machines to play it back. But your, you, your own research has shown the telemetry data is missing. That's that's right. Oh, the telemetry data of all oh, the moon is is missing. We we can't even. We don't even have a machine to play it. But Mr. President, uh, here's something from David Williams. Dr. Williams is the archivist, also known as hoarder, at uh, NASA Goddard Space Center. Uh, surely he would know where uh, all the tapes and the telemetry is. This film you're making now, what is it? Uh, does it have a name? I mean, do you have you have a name for it yet, I think or are you? Call it. Did we go? Did we go? Okay. Okay. Doesn't have it either. The Smithsonian right. doesn't have it. Right. Johnson doesn't right. have it. Right. We we've been unable to, to to track it down. I mean, we don't know uh, where this this telemetry data ended up, and we don't know the what what path it may have taken. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm afraid I can't really give you much of a clue as to as to where this data ended up and whether it, it still exists or not. Yeah, it's on the cutting room floor with the rest of all the movie theater crap. Ye of little faith. Uh, yeah, I have very little faith. Very little faith. What I do see is I see uh, Bezos showing his 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 landing module, and he shows it in a beautiful CGI animated thing that looks pretty real. So at least they're getting that part right. Well, they did. They do have a fallback thing they're going to do to get your attention. Oh, and that's this clip that says "Trips to the Space Station." <laughs> yeah, want to go into space? NASA said today it's going to open the International Space Station to tourists. might happen as early as next year, but it won't be cheap. Private companies, Boeing and SpaceX, are expected to charge, get this, up to $58 million, and that's round trip. Guess how much room and board is? $35,000 a night. Yeah, and you have to be there for 30 days. Oh, cool. Sounds boring. it sounds extreme. Yeah, you're going to be in a thing. I mean, it sounds really cool. I'd love to blast off and sit up there for a bit. But after you know a couple of days, we're like, all right, adios, mofos. I'm tired of pooping in the bag. I'm, yeah. If you don't mind, I'm going to go home. I want to go home. <laughs> and, you know, they have to do psychological things with the, the guys who are the astronauts and the women. Mm-hmm. 
they're all tested to death and gone through, you know, centri- you know, there's this thing that spins them around and, and they, <laughs> they get yeah. psychological testing because not everyone's equipped to be up there because it is boring and you got you're stuck and you got to poop in a thing that sucks it out of you as some, some vacuum device and there's mm. spit floating around inside. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to deal with and it's not for the general public. It's not like going to Disneyland. No, no. But some jerks will go up there. You can count on it. There's more than a few billionaires where 50 billion bucks, maybe plus expenses. Well, I think your, your, your initial comment is correct. It's, it's a great distraction since there will be no moon landing in 2024. Telling you right now is not going to happen. I'm willing to do the show until 2024 just to prove it. Yeah. Yeah, stubborn guy. Just to celebrate. Hey, there's one story that, that kind of annoyed me because I went to ABC, CBS. Public, I went all over the place. There's a six-week cycle event. Yes. That took place. In New York? New York City? Yes. Mm-hmm. And only CBS, the CIA broadcasting system, was the only ones that reported it. And it was somewhat annoying because it's a really good event, but it follows the same old pattern where the FBI found some guy. took him for about a year to get this guy to radicalize the guy, even though they should just put him on YouTube, apparently would have radicalized himself in just a few videos. Mm -hmm. But besides that, it took him about a year to get the guy to do all the things they needed to do. And as soon as he finally, they finally arrested him for buying uh, a gun from another agent. And this is the story never really got a lot of attention. I, but I, Gave me a lot of it. I liked it. Go. Sources tell CBS News the FBI keyed in on Ashikwal Alam based on suspicious social media activity and reached out to him in August 2018. Over 10 months of clandestine meetings with an undercover officer, Alam praised Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Wait a minute. So there was suspicious social media activity. Instead of going over to this guy and saying, hey, bro, could you stop the suspicious behavior because you're looking a lot like an ISIS uh, you know, and just no, confronting no, no, him. No, 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 no. no. That would be policing. That, that would oh, be that trying would be, to keep the, you know, no. the public safe oh, and keep oh, people in silly. line. You don't want to do that. You want to make it worse. Yes. Over 10 months of clandestine meetings with an undercover officer, Alam praised Al-Qaeda and ISIS. According to court papers, Alam said the September 11th attacks were a complete success, and it was the duty of Muslims to make a new leader. The 22-year-old Bangladeshi immigrant from Queens zeroed in on attacking New York City. Alam said he wanted to use suicide vests or AR-15 rifles in an attack on Times Square. He and the undercover agent went on several reconnaissance runs there. Alam said a successful attack would make them legends. Prosecutors say Alam also expressed interest in other New York City landmarks, including attacking the Freedom Tower with a rocket launcher. Jerry Hauer is the former head of New York State's Department of Homeland Security. With somebody like this, uh, you try and keep him under surveillance as long as possible uh, to see if he's tied to a network. In a sting operation yesterday, Alam purchased two Glock handguns with the serial number scratched off from other undercover officers. He was then quickly arrested. A judge ordered Alam Hell saying he posed a danger, and he wasn't just talking big, David. Sources tell us the FBI believed he was committed enough to carry out an attack. His public defenders have not yet commented. Oh, uh, hold on. Where's the rest of the story about the network that they uncovered because they kept this guy strung along for 10 months? No. There's no, no network. It's just a, it's a No, no, douche. they never said there was a network. Well, they said that he, he literally said, we like to do this 
so that we can find out if there's a network behind it. But it took him 10 yeah, months. That's what he said, but they didn't find one. No. He's a lone wolf. Uh, so we received information years ago that every six weeks or so and such, FBI likes to do one of these or at least go and arrest someone. It's like, hey, boys, six weeks, got time. So they can keep their resources, their budgets, and be relevant in the counter-terrorism game because there's a lot of different players uh, in government and they need to, uh, to keep their budgets and their position. And that's why they do this. I was reading a, a similar... I was reading a similar affidavit the other day, which I think also belongs in the cycle, but I'm, I didn't I didn't even put it in the show notes because it had a, this was a, a pedophile network they unraveled. And oh, they do that too, yeah. And they kept this one guy going with an undercover informant. And oh, this oh no, this is the Doctor Pizza. This is the guy who wrote oh, for Ars, Ars Technica. What, talk about a guy who's a creep. So, but but if you read the transcript of him thinking he's communicating with a, uh, um, the mother. The mother of an 11-year-old, yeah. how stupid is this guy, on Kink D or whatever the, the social... Kinkity, Kinkity or something. Or I never heard of this site. Yeah. It's got to be a kick. And, uh, and so the, the undercover informant, which is in this case a, an FBI agent, is talking about, oh, yeah, you know, my daughter could probably handle the tip. I mean, if you're, how sick are you that you're trying to... I mean, that's... It, it, it actually, the first time in my life, I actually almost felt physically sick just reading the FBI <laughs> is doing that with these people to entrap them. The guy's a have, creep. Yeah, it's it's just sick in a lot of different ways, but you've got to see a video of this character. Oh, no, I've, I've seen pictures of this guy. I mean, oh, no, pictures don't do him justice. <laughs> okay. You have to see a video of him. He is a... He is just like a stereotype <laughs> weirdo. Yeah. And he's like a tech reviewer. Yeah. Jeez. Well, so, yeah. Anyway, back wait, back to the other thing. I have to say something about that clip. Yeah. So this guy wants to do suicide bombings. He doesn't give a shit about the future. I mean, he's obviously just a loser that's easily cajoled into doing this, you know, blowing up New York if he could. Yeah. So why does he need to buy Glocks that have the serial number removed? <laughs> why? Ex- excellent point. What difference does it make? Yeah, if he's gonna if he's gonna go down in flames, yeah, I totally agree. So that they put that little bit in there to to I, I think it was just thrown in to be like, oh, that's how bad he is. He's biting. It also throws the gun argument. Oh, serial numbers have been erased from the guns. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, anti-gun, subtle and weird anti-gun stuff going on. Such as discuss this any further, but I'm mm. I've noticed it. All right, I have a couple of Green New Deal clips that are worthwhile. Okay, uh, the first is a new a new airline, a new Swedish airline uh, called Bra B R A B R A. Yeah, Bra? yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, you can make the jokes. Don't worry. The clip includes the joke too. Uh, so it's Bra, and Bra has a new class that you can fly environment class (laughs) and i think well this clip is from a youtuber who is an influencer and he has the harry and david endorsement stuff so i'm pretty sure they invite a lot of influencers to take one of these flights on bra so hopefully they would uh, talk about it and so this kid uh and i think he's swedish 
he's doing his little YouTube bit, but just listen to what he's selling and what Bra indirectly is selling and, and how people are falling for this. So today's airline is not only a flying bra, it also happens to be the world's most eco-conscious airline. We love a sustainable bra. So today I booked a class I've never flown before. I've flown economy, premium economy, business class and first class. But today I'm flying environment what? class. And I know you're thinking, what the hell is that? Well, recently the Swedish airline Bra launched a class called environment class class where you get to fly on biofuel for about $30 extra. So the ticket to Stockholm is already only about $50 for adults. And then you add another $30 and you're flying on a fully climate compensated, sustainable biofuel ticket. Okay. So for 80% of the cost of the ticket, you add on from for 50 euros, you add on 30 euros. You're, you are convinced that you are now fully What do you call it? Climate compensated? Climate compensated, completely eco-friendly. They got two, they're talking about some, what? This is a bullshit story. Well, hold on. We'll get to it. Climate compensated, sustainable biofuel ticket. Not only that, but the flight is served by a propeller plane, which is super environmentally friendly. <laughs> I want you to know, propeller plane is super environmentally friendly. Um, listen, brah. Uh, propeller planes use the same uh, engine. It's a, it's a jet engine. It's just a propeller on the outside. So the inside is not that much environmentally friendly. So with all those things combined, this is the future of eco-friendly domestic flying. And I'm so excited about it. I do have a lot of anxiety about the environmental impact my flying has. So <laughs> oh, since geez. the start of this year, I've climate compensated all my trips. But it feels really good to be flying an airline that actually goes even further. So even though Bra has a stupid name, they're doing something very, very well. And I think it's nice that they give every passenger the option to add the environment class to their ticket because it makes people put their money where their mouth is. If you care about the environment, but you still want the efficiency of flying, gotta pay up. So this is great because he's buying into it. And I think a lot of uh, young people will buy into this idea that, oh, if I can pay my way out of it, which is what we're being taught with the Paris Accord and everything, you can pay your way out of this problem. What you're doing is you are not solving anything. You are literally purchasing a credit, the right for this company, this bra company, uh, to pollute to the degree that you fly. So, and I don't, I think you're probably overpaying for that, but okay. So your ticket was 50, you're paying 30 to give them a credit that allows them to pollute. So you're not stopping pollution, you're giving them a credit. This credit is not ah. something they pay for in full. It is tradable, this credit. You are giving them extra money. They can trade this. It's like giving them a, like a share of stock or a foreign currency that they can then use in other ways. You're being ripped off and you're believing that you're solving something and it's sad. Yes. I thought you, sad. thought you wanted Very to say something. I guess not. Well, I was just looking at the various fuels. Again, I'm just trying to refamiliarize myself with the fuels at these turbo props, which it's are the same. It's Jet One A. It's the same fuel. Engines with yeah. a, well, they, there's apparently some turbo props run off of uh, Avgas too. Turbo. Um, well, it, it, tur- yeah. Okay. Uh, second clip. The, this guy, by the way, a couple of things. Yeah. That I just uh, stood out to me. 
is very weird. I, the first time I flew on any of the uh, Nordic air, air carriers, which was Icelandic, uh, I noticed that they had two classes of service. They had business and then they had economy. And then I think I've flown on Finnair and same, you have this same kind of situation. They do not have first classes no, in these no more. carriers. And no. I asked about this. And yeah. they said, we, as a culture, we do not believe there is such a thing as a first class. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're not a classist society. And in fact, the Swedes, above all, are egalitarians, which is one of the reasons they're having so right. much trouble with their migrants, because right. they believe that as egalitarians, everyone's equal. And, you know, so that's why they, the old stories about you right. should read everyone. If you go to Sweden, you should definitely read one of the uh, sociology books or um you know, cultural anthropology books about right. the Swedes, so right. you have a feeling for what it's like. And they don't. They they just like the idea is that the boss gets the coffee for the secretary more often than not. And that's crazy. So when I heard this, that this operation has a first class. That's what he said. Yeah. I'm thinking this is bull crap. Environmental class. He didn't say it had a first class. I thought he said there was a first class. No, he said he's flown first class. Oh, okay. So he wasn't the Swedes. No, okay. No. It jumped out at me. That's all right. So there's a uh, an outfit that is promoting, it's all a part of the same former Bernie bro people, is promoting the uh, Green New Deal. And uh, this outfit is called New Consensus. Uh, and they seem to be in business only to promote the Green New Deal. So this is an ally of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and uh, whoever else sponsored uh, the uh, resolution, which uh, did not get passed. Uh, but she was interviewed recently. Um, and I just thought that her numbers were interesting. You know, we, we've heard uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez say that uh, this is our World War II. Uh, within 12 years, it's not going to matter. She's walked that back saying you have to be stupid, not understand that was a joke or whatever it was. Uh, so here is the... Tell that to the kids. Here is uh, Rihanna Gunn-Wright, and she is the policy director of New Consensus. Uh, a CNN uh, SSRS poll indicates that 82% of Democrats say that aggressive... Uh, action on climate change is necessary. How do you get this? I mean, there's so many things. If you talk to, to voters out there, there are so many things they're concerned about right now. Healthcare and gun violence and immigration um, and, and, and the economy. Climate change is obviously up there and it's, it's, it's often number one, two, three or four. But how do you make the argument that it needs a separate discussion? Why, why not healthcare? So in the issues that you just brought up, climate change is one of the main drivers of our public health. So the difference between, say, 1.5 degrees of warming, which is the least that folks think that we can get to two, you're talking about 150 million deaths. That's 25 holocausts, right? So how is that not a health <laughs> issue? How is that not about health care? Oh, baby, I love it. 25 holocausts, 400,000 Hiroshima bombs. It's crazy. Right. You're talking about immigration. Climate change is going to bring mm -hmm. hundreds and millions of, of, of climate migrants, of climate refugees, both from uh, outside the U.S. and inside the U.S., as you see people move. So even the issues that you outline, all of them are affected by climate change and how you decide to deal with climate is how you decide to deal with all of these other issues. 25 Holocaust. John, we have a new peg on the board. 
25 holocausts. That's what it's going to be. Let's see if this uh, meme gets anything. If it goes anywhere. Right? As she would say, right? Right. Now let's go to some serious uh, news because we've uh, obviously been playing a, a YouTube clip. This was a CNN clip. Now let's go to NPR. NPR is very serious and um, they always like to bring in people who are you know, know a lot about climate. Uh, they know a lot about science. And in this case, let's talk about uh, climate. And uh, well, really, the question is, is climate affecting mental health? Um, you got to listen closely to this. The kicker's at the end. But uh, here is NPR. Climate change is having a big impact on human health and mental health specifically. That's the bottom line of a new report from 27 European Academies of Science. But exactly how something as big as the climate crisis affects mental health is a question that Helen Berry wrestles with every day. She's a psychiatric epidemiologist and a professor of climate change and mental health at the University of Sydney in Australia. Professor, it seems almost intuitive that climate change could affect our mental health, but is there actual evidence that that's true? So the short answer is yes, of course. And the long answer is um, no, it's incredibly difficult to do this kind of work, partly because climate systems themselves are extremely complex and partly because mental health is also extremely complex and bringing those together makes a very huge and difficult puzzle. But I think it's really important to apply some common sense here, which is what you implied in your question, and also to understand um, how we can go about approaching this problem so we can eventually get the scientific answers that we want. Want. Did you just understand what she actually said there? Yeah, she says that uh, we got to approach this to, so we get the answers that we want. Yes, she's a scientist. Yeah. Well, that's what the client, that's the whole climate model. The whole climate change argument is based on these dubious, and everybody knows it's, they're dubious, uh, computer models, and you keep tweaking them till you get the answers that you want. You apply that's some what's going sense. on. It's, that's so obvious that she just said it. I just want to hear it again. Important to apply some common sense here, which is what you implied in your question, and also to understand um, how we can go about approaching this problem so we can eventually get the scientific answers that we want. Oh, my God. Because she, first she says, yeah, of course. Of course it affects your mental health. Now we got to back it into something so we can prove it with the answers we want. Uh, yeah, this is the science community, but 2019. Hello. 97% of all of are, 97% of everybody in the world is all on board with this. <laughs> it's, it's kind of frightening. Well, Jay Inslee's on board. He's the guy. He's the single issue Democrat who's not even on my list of the contenders uh, memo because mm. he's just a phony. Mm. But he's the governor of uh, Washington State and his whole thing. He's a one issue candidate. And his issue is that we're all going to die tomorrow Woo! if it's if we don't do something about climate change. And that's all he cares about, period. And now he's irked because the Democratic National Committee is not going to do a special debate on climate change. <laughs> and so they apparently thought this guy's such a lunatic that they said if you even do a debate on climate change outside of the DMNC parameters, you're banned. Washington. <laughs> 
Washington governor and 2020 presidential hopeful Jay Inslee says the Democratic National Committee is refusing to schedule a candidate debate on the climate crisis. Inslee said Thursday he was told by the DNC that if he participates in any non-DNC-affiliated debate on the climate, he would be disinvited to future debates held by the DNC. Inslee called the move a deeply disappointing attempt to blacklist candidates. He said in a statement, quote, the DNC is silencing the voices of Democratic activists, many of our progressive partner organizations, and nearly half the Democratic presidential field who want to debate the existential crisis of our time, Inslee said. Well, that's interesting. So who is actually stopping this debate? The the DNC? The, the yeah, honcho? The DNC. The, whoever's running is there's a We'll forget the guy yeah, who, who is running. Is, it, who is running whole, it. They have a little committee, and they said, "No, we can't do this." We they're they're orchestrating everything, and they see this as like a, some sort of a sideshow that's going to be mocked by the Republicans yeah. and the and the independents out there. And they know what why they can't do it. This guy's too dumb to see it because he seriously thinks that this is a the the topic of the day, a winning issue. Have you? Uh... Have you been following? So we had Iowa this weekend. I, I guess everyone because we have we have the first debates the Demo, for the Democratic primary, which is how the Democrat Party will choose their uh, candidate uh, to run against, presumably uh, uh, Trump. Makes sense. And so the debates start end of this month. I think twenty fourth or twenty seventh. Yeah, something. At the end of the month. Uh, so people are ramping up, getting ready. Two to days. Have two days. Two days of debates. Um, I guess since the weekend where everyone was there, is, is there some kind of thing in Iowa, some Democratic hoo-how, schlock and lock and ding-dong that everyone well, was there? Free, it's for the Iowa caucuses, which oh, is a, yeah, kind right. of a primaries, which is next year. Yeah. It's, it's not they're to, going there just to brown nose the public. So when, 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 when does that actually sports. happen? When, when, do the, when do the actual um, primaries take place? Is that next year? It's not even this year? Next year. Jeez. So there's plenty of yes. time for Stacey Abrams to still get in. Yes, you have your your prediction is going to be uh, yeah. good to go for at least uh, I'd say a month. And even though there's a year to go, I don't. That's your prediction, yeah. not mine. Well, I believe that the first debates are important for one other reason, which is to get this really straight now. It's, it's for what. comedy. It's for comedy. That's well, what's comedy. It's going to be some funny stuff, but it's going to be kind of stayed. It's going to be stayed. Well, that'll be and funny for be, us. And we'd like that. It's going to bring out the losers and the winners. It's going to make the picture a little more clear. And it should trigger Hillary <laughs> jumping in because she's going to say <laughs> that, well, look at these losers. They <laughs> suck. They're not going to beat Trump. I already beat him once. Let's let put me back in. <laughs> I can just see Bill sitting at home right now, like, "Holy crap, man! I really miss. I really dodged the bullet once again." She she offed her brother. Oh, no, who knows what the sympathy vote's gonna do? I'm gonna show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. Well, you do have a few people to thank. A very few, starting with David N. Pat, Pat, Pate or Pat, P-A-T-E, $100. Or Pate, uh, you never know. Could be Pate. Pate, yes, Pate. Uh, Sir John Knowles comes in second. For the, he's the Baron of Murfreesboro in Tennessee, 8008. 
comes in with a boop. Brad Ryder, 6969. We did have a little promotion for 6969. Yeah, 69. hold on a second. 6969, 69, dudes. This was uh, one of the. It was exactly that. It was the 6969 dudes. And it was donation. a big, big, big thing for years, years. And we and people would always request the sixty nine sixty nine Swazelnuff karma, uh, and we said the minute it stops when no one does the sixty nine donation, we're retiring the whole segment. And it yeah. took years until uh, it did finally go away. But uh, we're bringing it back just for today. Sixty nine, sixty nine, dudes. Well, this is because we had a dame in Germany who was a, uh, a runner. A, Long distance runner, and she kind of triggered the whole thing, and then she went overboard, and that yeah. was the end. Well, of she it. had uh, didn't she have no agenda on her butt? Yeah, she had no agenda on her butt. Yeah, it's great. A running butt. Yeah, running butt. Uh, Brad Ryder, uh, Gregory Worley comes in with the same amount. Kenneth uh, Learman Jr., William Gefkin. Six, nine, six, nine. It's not that many. In fact, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's eight, nine. It's not even ten. Josh Moser. Just, 69, 69. Since we're here, I might as well read it. Dedicated or decided to donate for the 6-9 show as a birthday gift to myself as I turn not 33, but the other man, magic number, 42 on show day. That's right. The answer to all questions in the universe. Thanks for all you do and keep our collective amygdala small in spite of all the outrage addiction that permeates our culture these days. Looking forward to the next meetup in the Des Moines area when y'all come through. Resist we much. Thank you very much, Josh. Robert Marsh comes in, 6969. Sir Jim Zuckel. We haven't heard from him for a while. Sir Got Nate, Sebastopol, 6969. That's the end of it. What? So that was- 69, 69, dudes. Not much there. There was a, Heather Rodriguez came in with a flat 69, just 69. Uh, she's got a note for you about something. She's in Stockton. Corey Ainsworth, $69. Baron Mark Tanner with his normal 6789 twice a month. Brian Pearson, 6666, Thomas Miller, 5555 in Naperville. Great job, he says. Sir Ryan in Aspenwall, uh, Pennsylvania. Sir Tom Dari in DeForest, Wisconsin. Tara Reese in Urbana, Illinois. Michael Barco in Salem, Oregon. Luke Barnes, and he's, uh, I'm sorry, missing these 50. Let me go back up. Sir Ryan is 5510. Thomas Miller is 5555. Tom Dari was 5510. Tara Reese was 5042. Michael Barco is 5030. Luke Barnes, 5030. Not sure where that comes from. Luke says, I'm a broke college student. He says, I'm a broke college student and still have the money to donate, and I also hit my whole class in the mouth this last term no agenda needs you dear listeners thank you very much luke yes good good work baronet sir economic hitman in houston 5001 tony smith 50 drew mochak 50s in el cerrito uh, these are all 50 dollars donors with allison lind lind lindner Maxine Waters gravels back. <laughs> Apologies for being MIA. Gravel shortage in DC. I've been working OT for Maxine. Really irked. I had to fill in for Nadler. What a douchebag. Cheers, Maxine Waters gravel, <laughs> which has its own uh, uh, Twitter account. Yes, it does. It has its own Twitter account. It donates to the show. It's going to be knighted eventually or damed. <laughs> what, what whatever it is. Whatever it Edward is. Edward <laughs> Missouric in Memphis, Tennessee. Jonathan Meyer in Xenia, Ohio. Jacob Langley in Edersville, Georgia. 
Larry Hay in Mooresville, North Carolina, Sir Brett Farrell in OKC, Sir Jason DeLuzio in Chadsford, Pennsylvania, and last but not least, Sir Kyle Meyer in Atlanta, Georgia. I want to thank all these folks for contributing to show uh, 1145. And hopefully we have a little better uh, showing uh, on Thursday, please. And take it. Yes, Heather Rodriguez uh, did write a note, which I wanted to share. Um, she says, I need road trip karma and a dedouching. Let's see if she gives you that. You've been dedouched. I headed up to Washington for my great-grandparents' internment on June 17th, what would be their 69th wedding anniversary. Wow. Oh, hold on a second. I got something for them. For uh, let's see, for it would have been their 69th wedding anniversary. 69, 69, dudes. <laughs> My great grandpa was a uh, chief petty officer during the Korean War. My great grandmother raised six kids, which means lots of aunts, uncles, cousins, nephews, and nieces to celebrate their lives lived. They opted to be cremated and their ashes mixed. It should be a beautiful ceremony with a color guard to send them off. So, uh, just wanted to make sure we shared that one. And thank everybody, thanks everybody who came in under $50. Um, this is usually for reasons of anonymity, but we do have a number of subscriptions we'd like you to check out. And uh, you can see we have a nighting coming up in just a minute from a 20-month layaway night. It is possible to get up uh, at that round table for anybody. Um, and you just need to check it out at Dvorak.org slash NA. And also, of course, thanks to our executive producers, all of you participating in the grand experiment known as the Value for Value Network. Dvorak.org slash N-A. As requested, a couple of uh, karmas. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. You've got karma. Today is uh, indeed the 9th of June, 2019. Let me bring up my notes here for a second as I have our birthday list. It's not too long. Bobby Curell, or Curiel, I should say, celebrates uh, his birthday today. Justin Bissett says happy birthday to his wife, Tiffany Fiedler. She also celebrating today. Josh Moser, 33 tomorrow on the 9th, as well as Corey Ainsworth celebrating tomorrow, June 9th. Happy birthday from everybody here at the best podcast in the universe. Let's take a look at our meetups. I need a jingle for the meetups. <clears throat> First, a report from the Oklahoma City meetup. Quick note from Derek B. The meetup went very well. Small but quality group of folks. We had almost no lack of conversation for four hours. This is what's great about these meetups. I have a report from the Pittsburgh meetup. Let me finish this. Cassidy is going to send the pictures, a donation, and a note. It probably won't be for tomorrow's show, but I'm leaving the honors to her as she wanted to do this. She and Zach were also at the Austin meetup. Yes, I remember. There were five people who emailed us, said they were coming who didn't show, but the weather today was just phenomenal. 80 degrees, no wind. I rode my motorcycle to the meetup. A lot of people might have opted for other outdoor activities, and I made the mistake of having uh, on the same day as SoonerCon, which is Oklahoma's comic con, and we lost at least one person to that. But everybody thanked me profusely for setting it up, and we're very happy to be there. I think the ones who didn't come really missed out. Hopefully they can make it next time. Thanks for making it possible. No, thank you, Derek, and everyone who was there at the Oklahoma City meetup. And uh, it's a great way to get together with people who you already have a connection with, inside jokes, and no triggering. It's perfect. Got a note uh, from the Pittsburgh meetup with some money. Oh, Bill Patterson, Joel, Eric, Sir Ryan with 5510, 
Chris and Jen, happy birthday to someone, him, I think. Wait, so they did a collection at the meetup? Yeah, it's the first oh, time God. I've seen that. That's fantastic. Thank you. So it was a check we included in there. Uh, the uh, And I guess uh, there's a birthday call, but this the note is very, needs to be a little more detailed. So in the future, if people are going to send this stuff in, be a little more, because uh, we could probably put, I guess it would be Chris onto the uh, list for birthdays, but I, I don't have any details, so I can't do it. Okay, so more details when you send in the reports. Thank you. And I will be doing the details, the reporting uh, for the June 12th London meetup. Uh, that will be on Wednesday. Tina the Keeper and I flying in early on Wednesday morning. Um, six o'clock, we'll have the meetup. Check out noagendameetups.com for the exact location and the time, six o'clock. On the 15th, we will not be there, but there's a meetup in Copenhagen, July 4th, Seattle, Washington. The 9th of July, Knoxville, Tennessee. That's going to be a blowout, no doubt. July 13th, Atlanta, Georgia. The July, July 20th, Southwest London. I don't know how Southwest it is. I got to look. Uh, but again, noagendameetups.com is where everyone can find out uh, where the meetup is, where you need to go, or start one yourself. July 20th, also Buffalo, New York. So um, check that out. It's, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great thing to be a part of. I wish I could do a lot more, and once we're back from this honeymoon, which is going to be very short, um, and I'll be working during the honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, it wasn't my intent, but I guess we should just keep on going. It makes so much sense for all the stuff that's happening. Um, what was I going to say? I don't know. I completely lost the plot. Oh, well, doesn't matter. Let's do this. Come gather around, douchebag. Slave. As we all thank your brothers and sisters who gave us some of them nights, some of them days, for the titles are a changing. Yes, we have one title change today. We uh, find that very important, uh, certainly for the peerage committee. When things do change, you can find that at dvorak.org slash HTM. Sir Mike Muggler today becomes Sir Anthrax failed vaccine tester, and we thank him for uh, his courage uh, and supporting the show continuously. Then we have a ones. Uh, so we have two damings and one knighting. So the 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 women are uh, outnumber the men today. It, we we got to have that special blade. There you go. You, you know the, the one. Special blade. That's yeah. the one. Up here on the stage, please, next to the round table, Lisa Donner, Isabel Pearson, and Todd Moore. The three of you have supported the No Agenda Show, the best podcast in the universe, in the amount of $1,000 or more. We could not be more thankful. In fact, we like to thank you by putting you right here at the round table of the Knights and the James. And therefore, I'm very proud to pronounce the Kate the Dame Lisa Donner, Dame Isabel Pearson, and Sir White Noise. For you, we have, as usual, hookers and blow, Ren Boys and Chardonnay for the ladies today. Taquito and tequila, crawship and cane breaks, pug and poi, goat chops, goat milk, beer and blunts, ginger ale and gerbils, vodka and vanilla, Rubenesque women and rosé, breast milk and pablum, or mutton and mead, which I think is what most people go for. Go to noagendanation.com slash rings, and we'll get those out to you as soon as possible. We'd love to see you uh, tweet those out, but make sure you put your, uh, your dame or your night name in your profile. Uh, it helps the show. It makes you look cool. And uh, it often helps, you know, helps you widen your network. Well worth it. Dvorak.org slash NA. Thank you for supporting No Agenda. Another show on Thursday 
coming to you live, at least half of it, from London. Good news or bad news? Can always use good news. Well, I think this qualifies as both. Scooters in Nashville. (laughs) Back now with the growing trend of travel and the growing danger it may bring. Electric scooters speeding down roads and sidewalks and at least 11 deaths reported since the beginning of last year. Tonight, the mayor who's had enough and what he's demanding. Here's ABC's Marcia Gonzalez. Tonight, leaders in yet another American city threatening to ban electric scooters, concerned about the danger to riders and pedestrians. They're everywhere. They block sidewalks. The mayor of Nashville says there are now 4,000 scooters in his city, saying he wants them off the streets if the seven scooter companies operating there don't address safety concerns. I'd love to see them fit into to Nashville, but uh, the way it is uh, operating in Nashville right now, uh, we just have too much risk associated with it. This video showing the risks riders are taking. This man in Nashville on a scooter with a child on his back. And just last <laughs> month, a 26-year-old man died there, hit by a vehicle while riding a scooter. Brady Galky's family starting a petition to outlaw them so he, quote, is the last victim of what they call an epidemic. Across the country, the Associated Press reports there have been at least 11 electric scooter deaths since the beginning of last year. And Consumer Reports tallying 1,500 scooter-related accidents from just 47 cities since late 2017. So where's the good news? Where's the bad news? Well, it's good news for the public that some mayor actually has a backbone and he's doing some balls. these scooters. Yeah, yeah. And the bad news is for these stupid scooter companies. <laughs> it's all built into one clip. I don't, I don't know if we did. I read. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but one of our producers sent a note in. Um, he was at a conference. Uh, I think it was the ADA, American Disability Act type conference with lawyers, and they're all going after the scooter companies for the blind. Uh, because these things are left on the sidewalks and uh, it's very difficult for uh, those experiencing sightlessness, I'm trying to say it the right way, uh, to navigate around them. Yeah, good point. Yeah. It's especially with, uh, with, the, with the bikes. The scooters is one thing, but the bikes, you know, you, the, you, you walk by, you, they get caught on them, they trip over them, they fall. It's, 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 a, it's a nightmare. And Austin, I guess we, you know, they postponed all of the homeless votes for the, uh, you know, because, you know, the uh, pan, the overturning the panhandling ordinances, they chickened out on that. So they, they pushed that vote off, which would effectively make it legal to panhandle in any manner next to a school, a bank, a bus stop, any time of day. Um, but they have allowed these scooters to, uh, and bikes to, well, I don't know about the bikes, but the scooters to be on sidewalks, to be driven on sidewalks. We have two, a very large school for the deaf in Austin, very famous. Um, think about how dangerous that is when you cannot hear anything coming up behind you. And you can barely hear these things anyway. So I think we got roads for a reason. Who am I? I have a clip blitz if you want it. Well, let's do it after this. Dogs are people, too. Yes. We love our dogs. I'm going to break the wheel. If you're a fan of Game of Thrones, you're familiar with the direwolf, the popularity of the creature in the fantasy world, creating consequences in the real world. I'm Jerome Flynn for Peter. You might also know me as Bronn from Game of Thrones. More and more huskies are being bred and bought because of their resemblance to direwolves. 
That surge in breeding has also led to a surge in abandonments. A lot of huskies and husky mixes have been coming in. Animal shelters in both Monterey and Santa Cruz counties are reporting a massive increase in the number of huskies. The Santa Cruz County Animal Shelter says right now they have six huskies, and that's the most they've ever had, and it's happening all over the state with very similar stories. Take Dakota here, for example. She's a year old. People often get these dogs as puppies because they're so beautiful, but they don't really understand the maintenance that goes into taking care of these dogs as they get older. This isn't the first time we've seen pop culture impact shelters. The chihuahuas, when Paris Hilton had its first chihuahua, um, 101 Dalmatians came out. It seemed like there were a lot of Dalmatians. <laughs> but now it's happening to Huskies, and a rise in surrenders means more euthanizations. Aww. Yeah, this is very typical of our culture. Oh, man, it's such a cool dog. Let's get one. And the dog turns out to be a pooping machine, eating you out of house and home. Like, yeah, let's get rid of this dog. Dogs are people, too. But wait, there's more. In Texas, the movies have gone to the dogs. It is the world's first ever dog-friendly movie theater. Eric Langford started K-9 Cinema. (laughs) Can you believe this? But has a unique place for people and pooches. Best friend Bear is his partner, of course. My heart is overwhelmed with joy because I did this to make me happy. Yeah, you're going to have no dates, bro. And now it's making other people happy, so everybody's loving it. (laughs) Six nights a week for 15 bucks and five for Sparky, you can see a flick and enjoy a bottomless glass of wine. Wine and dogs. Why bring your dog? Why not? That's the real question. Why not? Movies vary from modern hits to classics, maybe even a dog's journey from time to time. He loves just coming here because he gets to play with all the other dogs, too. The candy counter's even stocked with doggy treats. No duds for dogs? (laughs) No one's ever been busted for smooching in the dark, but some nuzzling goes on. For the most part, the pups sit, stay, and watch. And here's a doggone good idea. Local shelters often on hand with pets for adoption. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, yeah, they charge five bucks extra for the dog. And uh, they don't even do that for kids when you bring kids into the theater, which I'm also against, babies. Well, you hate dogs, so that makes sense. I do not hate dogs. I hate dog owners who treat them like humans, like children, like oh, I, human I, beings. Well, everybody hates that. Well, that's all. That's my whole point. I don't hate dogs. You, you've given me this rap, which is unfair. I know I have. <laughs> I just want to see how, how nicely it's now, But now I'm getting, for some see reason. you wear it. It's, it's, it's really, I, at one point I said, I'm tired of eating chicken breast. And now somehow in my own house, oh, you don't like chicken. I do like chicken. No, 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 I like don't. Chicken. <laughs> I, I can cook some pretty decent chicken dishes, but I'm sick of chicken. I'm little, well, I got sick. I just, I was sick of chicken, chicken you breast. You should be sick of it. It's, it's a dumb meat. <laughs> it's a dumb meat. Please, please explain. How is it a dumb meat? Well, for one thing, it's made from chickens. <laughs> Okay. I mean, come on. Can't we find something better to eat than these stupid birds? <laughs> Oryx, baby. Oryx. Dogs Oryx. are people, too. <laughs> or maybe just try some dog meat. I don't know. Is, is dog meat tasty? The Chinese can't be totally stupid. 
Well, the Filipinos also eat dog meat. I think I've had dog meat. I don't. I can't say for sure, but I, yeah. I believe I have, and it's fine. I mean, I think horse meat's a little better. I like horse meat. I'm, I'm all for the horse meat. What, I do have my horse meat story. Yeah, I ever tell my horse meat story when I, I was in Slovenia? You know, I'd love to hear your horse meat story. So I'm in Slovenia, hanging out with the publishers. They're you know, publishers, the Playboy, and all the most of the magazines. They were going to pick up PC Magazine and oh, and cool. publish the Slovenian version. And there, I got a great tour of the country. And um, there's something I've noticed. In fact, Eric DeShill went to Finland, and he I said, "Well, when you're in Finland, get some of this uh, reindeer meat. It's absolutely fantastic." He says, "Never saw any." And I realized that many European countries that eat kind of offbeat stuff, they never admit it. Hmm. And they won't let you see it. What, reindeer or dog? Like, you know, you can go to you can go to Scandinavian countries or Nordic countries and you find that you'll see uh, reindeer meat all over the menus, sure. but these guys will never take you to a place that serves it. I, I thought That's the true. one time I went to Finland, uh, Sir Luke took me to a restaurant where we had reindeer meat. In fact, they brought out the picture of the damn beast before they killed him and his name and everything. So, what would you think? Oh, dynamite. It's dynamite. Oh, it's, it it's was, a very bloody meat, but it's dynamite. Some of the most beautiful meat I've ever tasted, though. It was, yeah, it was good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's very good. And it goes curiously... I was up at some restaurant way north in Finland, and this woman, this French woman who served a lot of reindeer steaks, she had a huge collection of Behringer Private Reserve Cabernet, mm. which she insisted that we have with the reindeer, and the match was unbelievable. Mm. So anyway, so, so, so I'm in Slovenia, and these guys reticently say, uh, do you uh, ever eat horse meat? I said, yeah, I've had horse meat tacos in Tijuana. They're fantastic. I like horse meat. Was that at the donkey show? <laughs> no, I never went to the donkey show. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was called the blue something. I forget the name, of the name of the place. It may have been a, a, just a myth. Anyway, so I, so they said, oh, well, there's a restaurant here that specializes in it. They said, we don't really eat much. Just, yeah, you know, and they're going, they're downplaying it. But if I want to go and have some horse meat just to see what it was like, they'd be, they, they'd relent and go. So we go to this place and they order uh, this, and advise me to order this sirloin steak horse, <laughs> which I've never had just a big horse steak. Huh. The thing is the size of the plate. <laughs> the worst part was that this particular cut was dense. Mm, so oh. it had kind of a dense quality. It was tasty, yeah. but it had a dense liver-like quality. And so I'm trying to plow through this thing with these guys who never eat horse meat. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to get through this steak, and I'm getting about a third of the way through, and I'm stuffed. I can't take it. I look around. These three guys, three of them. They plowed through this giant steak like there's no tomorrow and say to me, are you going to eat that? <laughs> and they glom it. <laughs> so they love the horse meat in Slovenia, no matter what they tell you. Anyway, I do have a clip blitz of seven clips, all under 30 seconds. Red 33. <laughs> clip blitz. Democrat weirdness regarding taxes.
cases. The Democratic chair of the House Ways and Means Committee is coming under fire from his own party after he told Bloomberg News he has no plans to use a recently passed New York state law to acquire President Trump's tax records. Congress member Richard Neal says he's worried the request would, quote, bolster Trump administration arguments that Congress is on a political fishing expedition. Red 33! Red 33! Clip blitz! Clip blitz! Tax returns to... Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin has defied congressional request to turn over Trump's tax records, and Trump remains the only president or major presidential candidate in modern U.S. history to refuse to make his tax returns public. Red 33! Nadler's plan plus weird Pelosi quote. Democratic House Judiciary Chair Gerald Nadler is preparing to subpoena special counsel Robert Mueller within the next two weeks. That's according to Politico, which also reports Nadler's privately pushing Democratic leaders to open a formal impeachment inquiry against the president. During a closed-door meeting Tuesday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi reportedly pushed back, saying Trump should be, quote, in prison, but not impeached. <laughs> Weird. Uh, Sudan news important. The African Union has suspended Sudan's membership after soldiers with the ruling Transitional Military Council opened fire on sit-in protesters Monday, killing at least 108 of them and wounding more than 500 others. In a statement, the AU said Sudan would remain suspended until a civilian-led transitional authority is established. Sudan's military took power in April after a month-long popular uprising that led to the overthrow of the longtime authoritarian president, Omar al YouTube, YouTube, YouTube current bans. YouTube announced today that it will remove thousands of videos and channels with white supremacist and neo-Nazi content from its site. The video streaming company will also bar any videos denying well-documented events <laughs> like the Holocaust ever happened. The move comes amid <laughs> growing criticism that online services allow and sometimes fuel hate speech. I think you said you turd. Red 33! <laughs> Cuba ships banned. It's about to get more difficult to travel to Cuba. Today, the Trump administration banned cruise ships departing the U.S. from stopping there in order to punish Cuba for supporting the Venezuelan government. Commercial airline flights are not yet affected. Last clip, home food delivery twist. So the online delivery wars have a new battlefield, you might say, your refrigerator. Walmart said today it's testing a new service. Delivery workers will actually put groceries (laughs) in your refrigerator when you're not home. They'll wear a camera so you can keep an eye on them. Apparently it uses smart technology to let you in. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good blitz, John. We haven't done one like that in a while. It was good. I liked it. Outstanding. So they're going to let you. Who? What idiot is going to have home food delivery where the guy plows into your house? Although, if you think about it, in old movies, you see this used to be common back in the 20s and 30s, I guess. Sure, there was trust. Trust. <laughs> there was trust. trust. There was trust. Well, there's a couple things we, we haven't discussed that I do have a clip for. Uh, number one would be the tariffs do not go into effect for Mexico on Monday. Apparently, we have a deal. Um, here is the uh, Spanish interpretation of uh, the key point, uh, as done by the, uh, uh, the Spanish official who did the announcement in English. In a key finding of the Mueller report, Ukrainian business... <laughs> 
fail. Of course, that's not the one I meant. That would be this one. The United States will immediately expand the implementation of the existing migrant protection protocols across its entire southern border. This means that the, those crossing the U.S. southern border to seek asylum will be rapidly returned to Mexico, where they may await the adjudication of their asylum claims. In response, Mexico will authorize the entrance of all of those individuals for humanitarian reasons, in compliance with its international obligations, while they await the adjudication of their asylum claims. Mexico will also offer jobs, health care, and education according to its principles. The United States commits to work to accelerate the adjudication of asylum claims and to conclude removal proceedings as expeditiously as possible. Further actions. Both parties also agree that in the event the measures adopted do not have the expected results, they will take further actions. Therefore, the United States and Mexico will continue their discussions on the terms of additional understandings to address irregular migrant flows and asylum issues to be completed and announced within 90 days, if necessary. So that's straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So it sounds pretty much like uh, like what was announced, except for this... Um, this uh, this tweet from the president saying that Mexico is now going to buy more of our farm goods or something. I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe I, all I know is two things I know. One, I do have a clip on asylum rule changes. But but before that, the New York Times, of course, of course throws a wet blanket on this after the fact saying, ah, this was done deal last year. This is nothing new, which doesn't make sense. It's just like the, the New York Times is ruining their reputation by, you know, just throwing a wet blanket on everything. It just got, yeah. got the T word associated with it. But, but this is kind of an interesting clip. This is the new asylum rules, which has got some people upset. The agreement would require asylum seekers to seek refuge in the countries they first cross into. Under the plan, Guatemalan migrants could only apply for asylum in Mexico. Hondurans and Salvadorans would be forced to apply as refugees in Guatemala. The emerging plan drew fire from civil liberties groups, including the ACLU, which said such a change to the asylum system violates both U.S. and international laws and is unlikely to survive a legal challenge. Really? Yeah. Why? Why would it be unlikely to to survive a legal challenge? I don't understand. What What is the? I problem? don't either. All I know is that ACLU says so, mm-hmm. and of course they're always right. And it's, I guess there's some rule where if you're like uh, if you're an asylum seeker, you don't have to go to the first shithole country that's <laughs> next to you. Yes, you do. So I mean, you that's, know, this, I this that's what this, it's all about. I mean, that's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. You know, they condemn Trump for saying shithole country. Yeah. But, but in fact, what they're they're expre- they're showing us is shithole countries. That, you know, they think the same way. Yeah. Um, for sure, it is my impression that the liberal world order, the new world order, the liberal banking elites, the globalists, they do not like. Uh, anyone messing with tariffs that was that it seemed like people got a big knot in their panties uh, or their panties in a bunch over this you know the world trade organization's all pissed off everyone's like this is crazy republicans and no one likes this 
But yeah. it seems, it appears to be effective. Now, I'm not sure that it is. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but they don't like that. There's, and I guess that's the same with Brexit. You know, it's it's about, you know, the it's ultimately it's about the deals. It's about the trade between the countries. Yeah, it's something we need to pay more attention to insofar yeah. far as a reaction to it. Yeah, because they really, really don't like it. Yeah, they don't. You're right. That's uh, a good point. Then uh, my final clip for today's deconstruction, uh, just so we can get ready, because we do have uh, elections coming up in Scandinavia. What elections are these now? Is this a big election? Is this a, a, a big a big election for them? The parliament election for members of parliament. Is that I think parliamentary? So. Uh, hello, Scandinavians in the troll room. Let me know what's yeah, going tell on. Tell us what's going yeah, on. We'd like to know what's uh, what's happening. Uh, so we've heard from this uh, young woman before. Her name is Karina uh, Gould. She is the minister of democratic institutions, and she has uh, some very troubling news. It's not just uh, here in the United States of Gitmo Nation. happens up there as well. I just wanted to give a quick update on the uh, declaration on online electoral integrity from two weeks ago. Um, I wanted to raise the issue that, you know, when we announced it on Monday, uh, May 27th, uh, Google, Facebook, and Microsoft were very quick to join. They've, in fact, demonstrated a number of actions in the interim. However, we still haven't heard from Twitter. Uh, we haven't heard from Twitter on the declaration. We haven't heard from Twitter in terms of what they're planning on doing for the upcoming election. We haven't heard from Twitter with regards to whether they uh, will have the online ad registry. And I think it's important for Canadians to be aware that Twitter has essentially um, decided not to take uh, responsibility for these activities, that Twitter um, is not committing to uh, what they will do here in Canada. And quite frankly, that, uh, you know, we're, we're facing a time crunch. I mean, the pre-writ period is going to be coming very shortly. The elected election is coming shortly, and we have yet to hear from Twitter. We've heard from Facebook, we've heard from Google, but Twitter remains mum, and uh, I think this is something that Canadians should be aware of, and uh, we hope that uh, Twitter will start to take some responsibility for the content uh, on their platform. We know that they have, um, that their platform has been used and manipulated by foreign malicious actors, uh, and we're still waiting to hear what their plans are here in Canada. <laughs> Block them. Block them from the whole country. You can't take that risk, Canada. What? Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah, this is this is this is the playbook. So you can always go back. All elections are gonna suck from now on. Because all we well, clearly we know what the Russians did. Clearly. Yeah, those Russians. It's all that. That's ah, so so sad, so annoying. Uh I think this is the big election. This is the one where they can get uh, uh, get rid of Trudeau. Get rid, get rid of Trudeau might not be a crazy idea. That would be my hope. Alrighty, I think we've uh, done a service to you. I hope you appreciated that and will let us know in our value for value network formats by sending us some value. We could certainly use it on the lower end. Uh, Dvorak.org/na is where you can do that. We'll play the jingle again at the end. Uh, if you're listening to NoAgendaStream.com, uh, we have the grumpy old Ben's number 11 coming up, which is fun to listen to, a bunch of grumpy old Ben's. You'll catch on pretty quick. And also, thanks to Jesse Coy Nelson, uh, Secret Agent Paul, yes, for our end of show jingles, mixes, 
and we will return on Thursday. Coming to you from London and Gitmo Nation East. Uh, it'll be uh, right after our meetup there. So until then, coming to you from downtown, oh, sorry, from the unnamed studio on the frontier in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where chicken meat is dumb. I'm John C. Dvorak. <laughs> we return on Thursday right here on No Agenda. Remember us at Dvorak.org slash an A. Until then, adios, mofos, and such. Donate to a no agenda. They give us shows week after week. Donate to a no agenda. It's a show that's really unique. Donate to a no agenda. Listen to John and Adam speak. Donate to a no agenda. Science is turning into a clique. In a an old, I'm in a, an Airbnb. Actually, it's not an Airbnb. It's a BNB, a, a proper bed and breakfast with a really beautiful breakfast. It's uh, done by the uh, the owner, and so it's an old it's an old house, and it has one of those old Dutch toilets that uh, I think I've mentioned it before on the show. That has like a shit thing way up in the air. Well, it has the the. The reservoir way up in the air, so it uses you know, real gravity, big-ass gravity. But it needs that because it's one of those typical old Dutch toilets that has the shelf. <laughs> and, and, and for people who don't know, you know the, the, the main Dutch toilet maker uh, back in the day started making them mainly for hospitals. And there's a shelf, so when you poop, then your poop stays on the shelf so it can be examined. And no one ever thought, that's kind of disgusting for the home. And they just, oh, we'll just, we'll just use the hospital toilets. And so, you know, you, it's, it's kind of weird when you sit there and go, oh, shit, man, this, this, my poop is on the shelf. And that's why you need the extra <laughs> gravity. Poop is on the shelf. shelf. In some places, it hits the fan. In the Netherlands, it's on the shelf. There's a poop upon the shelf. There's a poop upon the shelf We keep it for your health For the Queen and Commonwealth The Dutch are in no rush To see that poopy flush Poop is on the shelf Yeah No, that's okay if you're you're a homeless hooker. Oh you. Adam's got a hooker. Why do you say Adam? I say you. You're talking about yourself. No. You come home, uh, your wife is on vacation or on a business trip, and uh, you come home with a homeless hooker. Walking down the street. Homeless hooker. The kind I like to meet. Homeless hooker. I don't believe you. You're not the truth. No one could look as good as you. Well, you're not coming home with a hooker. Mercy. With these cameras in place. Exactly. Homeless. Hooker. Now I live in tents. The best podcast in the universe. Mopo. Dvorak.org slash N-A. I love it! They're weak!